Middle Cough! Hey, hey, hey! Here we are, live on the tube on a Sunday night. For those of you who are uh, joining us live, welcome, hello. If you're listening to the podcast, wherever it is that you, however it is you, join us. Good to have you on board, too. All right, <laughs> here we are. Here we are. Uh, that was a uh, interesting Sunday afternoon slate. Three games, all of them were like 13 to 6 at one point, but we had a morning Niner game. You and I just watched the Laker fight on uh, Twitter, so uh, I know you're in a good mood. So there's a lot to get to today. Will the Lakers lose that game? I think that game is still going on, isn't it? It's a good question. I mean, any time the Lakers lose, I am very, very excited. I don't know if you saw my uh, my Twitter post yesterday. The Lakers were in Walnut Creek. Did you see them playing around? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. They were working on some uh, three in, two out, I think it looked like. Maybe yeah, working the, on their zone defense. As we're recording this, there's three minutes left in the third quarter. The Lakers are down 15 points to the Pistons on the road. <laughs> LeBron got ejected. They stink. Uh, ejected? Are they going to dare suspend him? Yeah, he'll get suspended. You can't do that, can you? Uh, no, I don't think you can do that. No. I don't think you can do that. Um, all right. A lot to get to on the show today. Uh, Noah uh, chimes in, says, been selling Tito's at the bar all day, boys. That's fantastic. Um, so, man, there's so much NFL. You want to start there that we're sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka? Yeah, I'll start Might there. as well. We're sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. Tito's, the number one vodka in America. This is the good stuff, John. Yes, it is. Uh, I might have had a couple Tito's earlier in the day, um, and they're fantastic. A couple Tito's and sodas, number one vodka in America, greatest vodka in the history of vodka. I don't even think there's even a close second. And it all started with Tito's Beverage, uh, based in Texas, Austin, Texas, where the University of Texas is. They're on their pace for their worst season ever, but Tito's isn't. They're probably on pace for a great great year because they always are the number one vodka in america can't recommend it enough go out get yourself one bevmo safeway albertson's nugget if you're in davis wherever you are and uh especially this week right thanksgiving what we're what we're thankful for i'm definitely very thankful that uh tito's and us are had this uh, partnership in the fall it's been fantastic we are very lucky and i know many of you that you know resonates a lot with our listeners and we're very glad to be uh partners with them guy yeah because it's first and foremost it's quality it's substance, you know, it's Tastes just great. Sub- substantial. Uh, it's fantastic stuff. Six times distilled in copper pots, not columns. Is it more labor intensive? Yes. But so what? It's better. It's distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. We'll tell you more about the Tito's and uh, what they're doing with us in a moment. But also we'll say not one, not two. Not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight, not nine, ten in a row. We have hit the ham lock of the week, John. Ten in a row at mybookie.ag, promo code ham of the number one. I posted, wow. guy, we turned $300. We currently basically have five Gs. So we turned $300, $150 each, into $2,500. No big deal. It hasn't been easy. There's been some... Uh, there's been some up and downs. There have been today. We didn't have to hold our the last couple of weeks. We have not had to hold our breath. No. Uh, we, I think we got back to our roots today. Was a back to our roots play, a team that we think is pretty good against a team that's terrible. And that's, I mean, that's what we signed up for. What that was today, like that's feet up. Like this is a joke. Like at, at, there wasn't a point in time. I swore to God, probably past 
couple minutes into the second quarter where I stressed it all. And that's been back-to-back weeks with the Patriots and the Browns. We're living good right now, guy. It's, it shouldn't be this easy. And the other game that I was, you were fired up on too. You like Minnesota. I like the Colts. We would hit on any of the games we put it on. We were all over them all. <laughs> Minnesota would have been a little tight, I guess, once they picked them off. But the Colts game, they were a seven and a half point underdog, the Colts. Yeah. Did, that was uh, yeah, You love that game. Did we like the Texans? I can't remember. Didn't we kind of like the Texans? Or no? I think we changed our mind. We talked about I'll, it, but we... I'll be honest, though. I watched it. the Colts-Jaguar game, I think, on Thursday. And I, we had already made the pick. Maybe it was on Friday. And I liked the game less. I was like, I don't really trust Wentz. Every yeah. time I looked up today, John, he had five touchdowns today. Five. Jonathan Taylor. Incredible. <laughs> I can't even imagine what his DraftKings number was. Probably like 45 points. Was that game on the road? Yeah, they played in Buffalo. They beat the shit out of them. Think about that. Well, do you, when you when I say the Colts, do you think playoff team? Yeah, yeah, I do too. They're good. That loss yeah. is aged better for the Niners. And Colts are six and five now. Now AFC's tough. The Colts actually, you know, Bills are six and four. Colts forty-one to fifteen. Bills every once in a while sneakily get just get blown out, but whatever. Yeah. Um. So I, you know, I mean, that's not even counting the four-team parlay that we hit several weeks ago. So I, I've, I have not looked yet. At the early lines, I don't know if you have. This is a big week, though, because what better way to get yourself into a Lions game on Thursday than at mybookie.ag promo code ham and the number one? Well, they'll double that deposit up to a thousand bucks. Lions still playing on Thursday, John? Lions Bears guy. Uh, that's not a great game. I think the Bears are now three and seven. The Lions are oh something and one. So uh, not good. I would say there are two things that get the phrase a tradition unlike any other: the Masters, Lions, and, and the Lions on Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. So uh, remember, if you accept the bonus, you do have to bet the full amount before you can withdraw funds. You can also decline the bonus, but either way, Ham won. Let him know we sent you 10 in a row. I don't know if this has ever been done before. Probably hasn't. Probably has. Do you, do, you know, do you know what some of these uh, networks that are paying these people to just spew gibberish about gambling? I mean, they stock some real gamblers right here. <laughs> no big deal. Are those people even available for interviews? About it? I don't know. <laughs> They're right. Fields is hurt too. That's a bad. It's Dalton versus uh, Tim Boyle. Oh my God! I think Campbell's given up on old Jared. I mean, he gave us some hints a while ago, right? Yeah, he did. Okay, and one other thing to share with you: if you're watching the stream, you may already have noticed it. If you're uh, listening to the podcast, the link is in the description there. The link is in the. Uh, you, let me just double check. The link is in the YouTube stream. We're very excited about this, John. We have uh, we've got a fundraiser to benefit No Kid Hungry from now through the end of the year, and uh, why don't you why don't you you want to tell some people you want to tell everybody a little bit about yeah it? so we just I mean we wanted to do something during the holiday season uh, and uh, we we paired up with the uh, you know the the charity No Kid Hungry I, the Curries are part of it locally Hunter Pence is a big part of it just to name a few people obviously a lot of other people it's a nation it's a worldwide charity. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna donate ten thousand dollars from the podcast. Tito's has already put in five thousand dollars, and Puesto has put in, in two. So we're at seventeen thousand dollars, and our goal is to get to twenty five thousand uh, dollars for our people listening, for our people watching. Uh, whatever you can donate, you know it's tax deductible, and uh, you know the uh, the link is nokidhungry.org slash ham, and all the links, like you said podcast the youtubes we're gonna put it i already put it in my instagram profile so if you can click on donate and uh hopefully this is something we do you know moving forward during the holiday season and we say partnering up with these guys and you know 
I mean, I, I can't relate. I was lucky I've never been, you know, gone hungry. Look at me. But when I'm young, I can't even imagine. So this is something that, you know, we're pretty, you know, I guess fired up would probably be the wrong way to put it. But excited to make it, you know, try to help out any way we can. I would say we're, th- I, and I, it's Thanksgiving week, but I would say we are thankful that um, not only do we have some good partners that have uh, stepped up, like Tito's, as you mentioned, in Puesto, but also that, you know, we've been doing this podcast for a while now and that the people, all of you that watch and listen it uh, have supported it, whether directly if you bought something we advertised or just by listening to it and and those listens create um, money for the podcast or by watching and that creates money. And so that has put the podcast, us, this Haberman and Milkoff show in a position then to turn around and, and say, you know, uh, you guys have supported us. Let's support something else. And uh, maybe we can do that together. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's what we're definitely, I think, uh, thankful for. Since the pandemic began, No Kid Hungry has provided over one hundred million dollars in grants to schools and community groups around the country. Um, They have a great easy to access um, feature on their website where any family can go find where the nearest free meals are to them. Uh, So part of what they do is is school related, right? In communities that, that need meals at schools. Part of it is not, they help schools figure out ways. Uh, since March, 2020, they have, uh, in the state of California received over 12 and a half million dollars in grants that have helped feed over 208 million kids and families since the pandemic began over a hundred million dollars in grants to schools and communities across the country. So, these, the money that we raise here is going to specifically California, No Kid Hungry. Um, so when you go to that that link, nokidhungry.org slash ham, that is specifically funds that will be distrib- distributed in the state. But um, $100 million throughout the country since the beginning of the pandemic. So was that a year and a half? Um, that's pretty incredible. When pretty you see incredible. some of these statistics, they see one in six children in America are at risk of going hungry. Like it just makes you just... Honestly, it makes me uneasy just even thinking about it. And I know California is I'm passionate about, obviously, being from here, living here the majority of my life and just knowing like, you know, the poverty rates, you know, in COVID, it's gone up. It's been tough on a lot of people. So hopefully that we can help out any way we can. And uh, we're already at $17,000. And I think the goal is to get to 25. And, you know, we're going to need your guys help. And everything is tax deductible. The nokidhungry.org slash ham links all over the place podcast youtube instagram accounts and uh anything you give can help and this is kind of how you play a part in being a part of the show you know yep absolutely we ask you for a lot of things over the course we 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 advertise a lot of things over the course of this show but i think this is probably the easiest thing we've ever asked you to do so we anything you can give we appreciate it one dollar provides up to 10 meals which means like 50 bucks is up to 500 meals um, which is a pretty efficient operation that No Kid Hungry is running. So again, nokidhungry.org slash ham. The link is going to be everywhere. We're going to be beating you over the head with it. And uh, yeah, it's thanks to Tito's, right? Thanks to Devin Greg at Tito's who helped us, uh, who secured $5,000 from Tito's, which is awesome. Uh, thanks to the Adler Brothers for, throw, for donating $2,000 from Puesto, which is awesome. And uh, thanks to you for supporting the show. And uh, here's another opportunity to uh, support a great cause. So appreciate everybody. There we go. All right. Share it, share it, definitely share it. And uh, 
yeah, we'll be talking more about it. If anyone has any questions, hit us up. Okay. So with that said, John, don't forget to get in the mailbag, by the way, too. Uh, with that said, oh, thank you. Michael's already in for 25 bucks. And the th- here, oh, one other thing I want to mention. When you go to the, the website, it, it's not like um, you know GoFundMe that has a constant counter. But No Kid Hungry, Emily at No Kid Hungry has told us they're going to – she'll update us a couple times a week on how much money's getting raised. So we will uh, we'll keep uh, updating you guys. And hopefully, you know, somebody gives, it inspires somebody else to give, and boom, 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 boom. Awesome. All right. Good people. Good people. Thanks for your support. Okay. John, it's also easy to be in a good mood when you cover six points with six and a half, I think is what we had, with ease – with ease, the uh, 49ers, you know, they some days it's just it's it's a little easier than others watching them. And today was one of those easy days. Today was, let's face it, kind of a joke. But that's why we bet on them, because we bet on this version of the Niners. Strangleholding, just kind of uh, knocking out, being on a completely different level, and that they were. Now, it was clear they were way better talent-wise, And then I I think whenever you play a team that's just willing to run the ball literally every play and you're getting bludgeoned by the run, you can itch. It can really, in a way, fuck you up mentally because they became a very, very dumb team, the Jags, as the game went on, jumping off sides and personal fouls, swinging at guys. I thought the Niners, the Niners were better, but they kind of broke them and broke them early. You know, it's, I think you had a tweet that like the inner Harbaugh, like, listen, I texted you, yeah. there are way more similarities in Kyle and Jim Harbaugh yeah. than Jed will ever want to admit. Because let's face it, guy, they they view, I guess, the, the run scheme a little differently, but the importance of the run game, I would say they are on the same page. I would say that Kyle gets a hard-on for 19 to 20 play drives of basically running it every play. Same with Jim. Now, again, they like throwing touchdowns as much as the next guy, but if you could choose, you're like, hey, you're going to win either way. Do you want to have 75 rush attempts or 10? They would choose 75 every every day. And I think Kyle has gotten back there the last two weeks, and they've kind of sh- – it's actually, you know, Debo's been a star. We'll dive into like – but he's gotten back to his roots. And obviously this game coming up, I think it's played out perfectly, and we talked about it. We, we'll get into like rooting for who to lose – Minnesota won. This game's huge on Sunday now. It's a, it's a it's a late November playoff game, but I think he's got like his his philosophical belief on how to win with this team, this 2021 team. I, I think he feels pretty good where he's at right now. Yeah, and and that first drive was 20 plays, which topped last week's first drive of 18 plays. This one resulted in a field goal, not a touchdown. It's it went 99 yards. Well, I mean, it went. 77 yards. I, the math to me is still wild that you can go 77 yards and take 20 plays to go that short of amount of a distance. Like, how is there enough plays to go that many yards? And they needed a lot to happen. I mean, this that drive just a lot like of three, a lot of three yard runs in first downs, right? So they're they're getting first downs every yes. three plays, but there are like two and three yard runs in those three yard in those plays and some bailout penalties. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, the, uh, right. well, I mean, he held him on the one. Yeah, just, it was it, a hold. yeah. Okay. It just, bailed. they got a penalty. It, it, it felt like they had things going their way is probably yeah. the best way. It doesn't mean, I don't mean to say they didn't deserve it, but Jimmy took some, Jimmy took some sacks on that drive as well. If I remember correctly, they, they, this is why I don't love, I love 
um, watching a 19 play drive get executed. I think Jeff, there was a Jeff Wilson kind of, did he fumble the ball and recovered it himself? Um, just when you run that many plays, you leave room for a bunch of things to go sideways. I love what a 20, it almost, they almost took the whole first quarter. It was they've, done it, they've done it two weeks football. in a row. They've done it two weeks in a row. Their, their game their game was at halftime before every other game in the league. You notice that? And there's not a staggered start at 10 a.m. They all kick off at 11.04, or I mean 10.04, right? Right. I looked up, and they were five minutes into halftime. Other games were still like at the two-minute warning. They were way ahead of every game because they didn't have any stoppages in the first quarter, which I'm all here for. I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it, too. I'm just saying, you're right. This is who they are. That being who they are is that there is a there is an a inherent flaw in that, especially if you fall behind. But then they actually got some other things going and it and it worked. Um, did you feel like when they had to kick the field goal on that first drive, because it looked for a minute like they were going to go for it? What did you yeah, think I mean, of them I, kicking the field I, goal? I tweeted out a cat emoji. Like it was it was a it was a pussy move by Kyle. Like I don't now it worked out, and I I was in the car, you know between over the last couple hours and or I guess right after the game and KNBR had Kyle's press conference going. He said, cause they were kind of calling him out. Like, why didn't you go for it there? He's like, listen, I would have, if it was a yard, I looked down, it was closer to two. And I just, I, as the game played out, you realize the opponent, like I, there, to me, there's a balance of being an aggressive coach. I always believe to lean that way. Now, big picture in the game, playing the Jags, like, are you going to get extra credit points for being super aggressive or being conservative like he was? It worked out fine, right? I, I don't think you can play like that, for example, this week, an offense that can score. You're playing Trevor Lawrence in an offense that can't score. You play Dalvin Cook, you play Justin Jefferson, you play Adam Thielen. I, I will not support doing that. I didn't make that big of a deal with it besides like making fun of him, calling him a wuss. But like, I, I don't think that is the tack that he can take with the better teams that can score points. You agree there? Uh, yeah, I generally I think it's very I opponent think dependent. Him, I think we saw him being really aggressive in like some fourth down situations against the Rams. I also think he because you could make even I, I was good with the field goal. I don't think he was being a pussy by kicking the field goal because but you could make the counter argument. If the Jags offense sucks, go for it there. What's the worst thing that happens? You fail and they've got the ball on their own two yard line. But I understand when you put a 20 play drive together, you want to walk away with points. Yeah, at the end of the day, when you're playing a team like the Jags, it's kind of irrelevant whether he kicks a field goal or goes for it. My point is just when you're playing Minnesota, now you play the Bengals, now you play the Titans, like you just play these better teams where, you know, you're fighting for the wild card spot against just better offenses. You know, you play the Rams again. Like, I, I think he would probably lean going for it. I, I do think opponent dependent, he sees a team that had scored nine points and how many points did Jags score the previous week? 17? Like, they had scored, you know, 25 points basically the last two weeks. You know, you weren't yeah. playing some explosive team that's going to get to 30 very easy. And I know no, they hadn't but, touched the ball yet. Yeah, I mean, the counter, though, would be like Minnesota plays in a ton of close games that come down to field goals. We see it all the time. Yeah, but my point, they score points, though. They yeah, score. No, I, understand. I get it. I understand. Jags do not score points. I, I understand. I get it. But I also understand a 20-play drive needing to end in points. I actually find myself a lot of times when when teams end up in short yardage kicking on fourth down, hating their third down plays. You know, Jimmy – Jeff Wilson was had a wide-open touchdown, and Jimmy just missed him. I, I have less of a beef with it, you know, eight minutes into the game than I do in the third quarter, you know, when there's less possessions left. You know, there's the entire game's left. That's where I, I don't make that big a deal over it, like – 
I th- I tweeted the the cat emoji again. Like I wasn't, I didn't really care. Like I wasn't worried they were going to win or lose the game. Like I had full faith they were going to win. To me, when coaches do that, like it's twenty to twenty, and you could kick a field goal or go for it in the late third quarter, right when there's only two possessions each left or whatever in the yeah. game. Yeah. I, first, it's the first possession of the game. Like I, I don't think you, I I wasn't going to make that big a deal with it. Uh, I thought that play, the play before the Jeff Wilson drop, and. Uh, I mean, we saw it a lot, I thought, today. We see it all the time. But Shanahan, did you see the formation on that play? It was Kittle lined up at fullback. Debo lined up at running back. Jeff Wilson Jr. lined up basically at tight end, like attached to the to the left tackle, to the left of the formation, obviously. Um, Kyle's just throwing a lot. And, you, you know, like you could feel there was a little bit of a difference. Debo, what was Debo's final number? Eight yards of carry or something like that? 9.9. 9.9. Cause his first carry, I'm like, ah, you're not catching the defense by surprise with that Debo thing this week. Gonna be a little tougher. And then it wasn't. It worked again. It just works. Well, they when I was in the car, they asked Kyle in the press conference, like, do you feel comfortable utilizing Debo that much as a running back? He's like, Well, when he's gonna be that effective, what am I supposed to not go back to the well? Like it was he's like, well, a lot of times when you see a guy like Debo as a wide receiver have an 80 yard game on the ground, he's he made a good point. He's like, typically you probably get one play for 65 yards, right? And maybe you give him a couple other carries, but it's really just a one play accounts for 90% of it. That was not the case. Like he was just banging off runs. He is he's a very natural and in fairness. If they were using him when they had Elijah Mitchell, like they were in somewhat of a pinch, right? They're starting running back who's really good, has a broken finger, and they inactivated him before the game, right? It, Which I don't uh, blame them. He feels but. like a Heisman candidate is what I tweeted today. Like that's how – you know what it is? It's what the Jags wanted LaVisca Chenault to be, and the Jags just aren't good enough to make it work. And Debo's probably a better player in LaVisca. And, De- and, De- and Debo probably is a better player, but – no, he is a better player. Probably. Okay, it's whatever. It's <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 what every it's what a lot of coaches it's what a lot of teams hope to find. Um, and I mean they got it. It's it's wild, and he's been knock on wood. I mean he's been consistently available for them now for several weeks. We can get to more of him later, but um, yeah, it was just a total. This is what you. That's what you do to the Jaguars. Nobody steamrolls after a couple defense after a defensive takeaway like like Kyle Shanahan's 49ers, I don't think. Well, do you, do you, but you know what's crazy, guy, is before Monday Night Football against the Rams, they weren't getting those fumbles, right? Right. They, that wasn't happening. They weren't getting the picks. Even they were today, losing like, the ball when you said Jeff Wilson was it Jawan Jennings that fell on it. Like they were losing that football. Instead, now it's happening to them. It just shows you. Turnovers in general are pretty fickle, right? They go back and forth. Like sometimes you're just on the right end. Now, if your quarterback's going to throw 20, like he's throwing 20 picks. But I'm just saying, like, if you're just an average NFL team, I think picks sometimes go your way. Sometimes you don't get them. Sometimes the fumbles. The Niners were on the wrong end of them for several weeks, and now they've been on the right end. And clearly, the good part is, though, them on their comeback is that they're they're not dependent on that. Like they have really, really good players. So even if they're – like they would sign up for a game – I think a lot of coaches would be like, hey, there are going to be four turnovers in the game, but you don't know which where they're coming. They'd be like, I'll sign up for that. I'll take our chances. The Niners would be fine with just being neutral. Like, zero turnovers either side, right? They, let our blue chippers and our elite guys just out-elite you. They don't want to take that risk. 
because there's just the oblong spheroid or whatever the thing's called bounces weird ways. That's exactly it. Yeah. And Jimmy, I mean, I guess Jimmy didn't really even get close to throwing a pick today. Now he had some bad misses. I mean, that Jeff Wilson ball, again, doesn't come back to bite him, but you just just throw the lobber. Why do you throw a, why do you throw a rope there? I, I felt like after the replay, I need to watch again. Was somebody in his face? I didn't feel like anybody was. I, you know, sometimes one- you look and you don't realize he's as open. Like maybe you think there's a guy because he he let him. Like bro, there's not a guy in a ten yard radius of him. Part of it is you're throwing the ball to Jeff Wilson, right? And you're not throwing the ball to like. Does George Kittle catch that exact same pass? Maybe. I mean, it was the guy. It was way in front of him. He like no, I know. It was a terrible I, throw. I, I'm just saying you're putting your running back in that position, but no, it, it was a bad throw. It was definitely yeah, a pretty solid player. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, two lost fumbles for the Jags. No lost fumbles for the Niners. Like I said, I it does feel like, and I've always felt this way going back several years, that a turnover, like this team, as much as any other team that I've watched in the last few years, turns a takeaway into like a 17-point lead. Yeah. And maybe it's because of just the way when they can run the football, it's just getting behind on them. Unlike the Lions game, there was no there was no life from the Jags. Did did Trevor Lawrence? I mean, how many plays were there where you felt like, oh, I, I'd love to rewind and watch that Jags offensive play again? They look pretty terrible. They they, they were they look awful. I, I when I watched the Colts game, I thought they looked better against the Colts. Just their offensive rhythm. He looked better. He was sixteen to twenty five the day for one hundred sixty yards, and just like meh. Honestly, felt worse. Yeah, it looked way worse. I mean, they only ran for 50. Not they're even off. blaming him. They're just unwatchable. <clears throat> yeah, it's not his fault because the Niners would take him in a heartbeat. Like, if you told Kyle Shanahan tomorrow you can trade Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo straight up for, for Trevor Lawrence, they wouldn't hesitate. Because you could see, like, there were a couple plays, like, he's a good athlete, he's big. That team yeah. sucks. You know, And that, but again, that's why we bet on them. That's why we talked about this week. You just take care of business. Now, you weren't, you didn't need to have a 20-point win. Right, you're on the road, early kickoff. But to me, that was just, we were kicking your ass. And honestly, we had to kick a field goals a couple times. It could have been 40 to 10, which is all you, which is what a good team does against, I mean, what are the Jags? Drafting the top five? That's what they feel like to me. Uh, John, no, they feel like they should be drafting number one. If anybody else, I mean, them or the Lions is not drafting number one. Texans have have had their moments. Texans have felt so much better than either one of those teams. So Texas right, beat the Titans today. Right now, the Jags would be drafting third. Don't forget about the Jets. The Jets, the Jets lost the feel Dolphins. The, the Jets feel much better to me than the Jags do. But you're right; they have the same record, two and eight. The Dolphins somehow are four and seven. Yeah, I mean the, the Dolphins don't deserve. Lions the are Jags. in pretty good. Lions are in pretty good shape for that number one overall pick. Uh, we'll see if that tie comes back into play. <laughs> I don't think it will because <laughs> they got to they got to win two games, and the Jets might have one more win. I, they might cruise the number one pick with like a three game margin. Lions stink. Should they get the second pick? Is there a, is there a, a point at which you should get two picks in the top two if you're like three games worse than the next worst team? Well, you could argue this year the draft is pretty. You know there aren't. Many Nick Bosa's walking through that. There's no Trent Williams no. walking through no, that No, but door. somebody will be good. That's the thing, right? Well, for sure. But I, I, you feel very good when there's like seven elite prospects, right? Yeah. Is there a Panay Sewell in this draft? You know I mean? I just, it doesn't feel like this is I the draft to is top-heavy. O-line tape on that. Even Cave on, uh, you know? I mean, this is, if you're going to give up multiple ones like the Niners, this is the draft to do it. Right. Well, they... 
What about the 2023 draft? <laughs> well, that one could get better. <laughs> um, okay. I are, are you, do you want to talk about Jimmy in this, in the context of this conversation? Yeah, go. Let's do it. Well, I mean, he was 16 to 22, 176, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, and I think we've established, we established a while ago. We're not, there's not a reevaluation of Jimmy Garoppolo that happens every week. I think we, we have a pretty good idea of, of um, what he is. I know that we do, and I know what he looks like when he's going well, and I know what he looks like when he's playing poorly, and I think we've talked about it for a long time when he's playing well. If other things happen around him, if guys are making plays, if the defense is making stops, then you're in pretty good shape, uh, and that's that's where they are. I, I, I just, you know, we like to do a, um, you know, people mm-hmm. tell you, like, just check in on a friend for no reason. We like to check in on Jimmy. And that Jimmy topic uh, every week, just just because he's the quarterback of the team. Well, they they talked about it a little bit today on the broadcast. Like they're going to need to depend on him more to do what they want to do, right? Whether that's are we going to get in the playoff picture still later? This is a separate topic yeah, from that. A separate topic, yeah. But just the one thing they do have, like Jimmy against Simeon, Jalen Hurts, and Kirk Cousins, like that's the crew of teams he's competing against for the spot. But once you make the playoffs, you do like, okay, we're playing Kyler. Okay, we're playing Tom. Okay, even Stafford, who was shitty, like he's still Matt Stafford and can throw for 350 yards, right? Okay, those are the teams you're playing. So there is going to be gravy if they get the seven seed. Kyle, Kyle would get a lot of credit, right? If you went 10 and seven, how shitty it looked early. But no one's just going to be cool with you losing by 20 in that game. <laughs> so to, for them to be good, he is not going to just be able to do the 16 for 20, 180 yards every game. Uh, We talked about this last week. I said, philosophically, that's what Kyle wants to do. And you can do that against some opponents. But there are some opponents where it's just not, you're going to need him to throw for 275 yards, right? And and one thing that can't be argued, the good part is they have the weapons for him to throw to, right? Like if you put Josh Allen or Mahomes or Herbert or Lamar, this is 300-yard ability with the guys surrounding him, correct? You know, it's not like, it's not like, well, he's just, he's playing with uh, Haberman, Middlecoff, and Juwan Jennings. Like, that ain't the case. He's playing with guys that, so it's a balance. Like, hey, Juwan Jennings plays his ass off. No, he's, he looks fine. He's already tried to get him a touchdown today. Didn't get there. Good job by the DB. He got out there pretty fast. It was, yeah. But I do think it's pretty clear, like, their skill guys are good enough if Jimmy plays well. One thing you saw today a little bit, though, that, like his rhythm has really been off for the last couple of years. It felt like he used to get rid of the ball. Like his release, once he throws the ball, he gets rid of it fast. It does feel sometimes when he's in the backfield. And again, you Kyle could say those are bad plays. They were long developing. Sometimes he does hold on to the ball like a younger player does and take a sack that, at, at least from the TV sitting on our couch, looks pretty shitty, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I it's think like, Jimmy, the blitz is coming. It's not like a blitz, right? It's like a delayed blitz. The dude's coming from the secondary. Right. It's got to get out. Um, I, to, win, I think, to win the better games, you know, as these games, I, I mean, starting this week, guy, I mean, it's, you know what Mike Zimmer does historically? Be known for blitzing. He's a blitzer. I, I think there's a couple of things, though. I, I don't think it's, for all that we, we talk about Jimmy being able to throw the ball down the field, that's not who he is. So this team needs sustained drives. And what do you need on sustained drives? You need conversions, right? Third down conversions. And you need to not make mistakes. 
And I don't think it's an accident. And I, it, it, I think it's more about what Garoppolo doesn't do in games than what he does do in games. Like, I don't think he has to do anything extraordinary. Their team is solid enough. He doesn't have to do anything extraordinary. But he cannot make mistakes. And I don't want to oversimplify this, but the Niners, they played the Lions. They won the game. He didn't throw a pick. He didn't throw a pick against the Eagles. They won the game. He threw a pick against the Packers. They lost the game. He threw a pick against the Seahawks. They lost the game. He threw two picks to the uh, Colts. They lost the game. He didn't throw one against the Bears. They won the game. He threw a pick against the Cardinals. They lost the game. He didn't throw one against the Rams. They won the game. He didn't throw one against the Jags. They won the game. Their only good win, though, is, I mean, against a good team is the Rams. So it's like you just are going to have to throw the ball. I would say you're going to tend to have to throw the ball more against better teams. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. They're not always going to be up 10 nothing, 14 nothing. correct? Like there's going to be a game, even if they end up winning, where they're probably down 10 nothing. Just the ebb and flow of a football season. Yep. And usually there, it just might, instead of, again, we're not talking, I'm not talking 40 attempts. There's just going to be a game where he has to attempt the ball 32 times. And you're right. He is one of those guys, the more time he attempts it, and uh, the farther it gets pushed down the field, the more likely he is to throw an interception. And their margin for error, you know, turnover-wise, I'm not disagreeing. I'm not rooting for him to throw it more. But for them to make the playoffs, he's going to have to have a couple games that probably are more than 22 attempts or 20 attempts or 18 attempts, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it happened a couple times the year they went to the Super Bowl when they were better, right? He's been been more accurate the last couple weeks. He's done a better job, I thought, of not airmailing the ball. Like the, yeah. even just the touchdown to Kittle, like I, he has been very accurate. Like I thought today his accuracy, I thought today was by far his most accurate day. Didn't I you? felt pretty hitting I, guys in hands, not like just on the slant route, hitting the guy in stride. I thought, I thought his he was first excellent. throw of the game after Trent Cannon lost the ball in the sun, a la Josh Hamilton. And they ran that fucking rainbow throw to Kittle. It was a, it was a really good throw. Had a sweet because pass to Ayuk that made a good pass, but it's, it's, everything's been accurate, I thought, today. He had his back. His back is like on the four-yard line, defender bearing down. He's got to get it up over the top. It was a really good throw. That was a good little lollipop by him, for sure. Ben says, good to see uh, Trey Sermon take advantage of his playing time. I did get a DM from somebody that said the only reason Kyle Shanahan played Trey Sermon is because Middlecoff wasn't available. Well, yeah, I mean, if if what's-his-name hadn't broken his finger, the Trey Sermon ain't going to snap. Ten, 10 for 32. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Wilson actually, I mean, averaged less a carry. Like, his day wasn't that successful. He was 19. Well, see, that, I, see I, that's why I think part of – we. this is part of my point I want to make about Utah later. Uh, sometimes it's impressive when it's – it's one thing when you just break off six yards of carry. Um, you know, Debo's carrying the ball makes the total yards per carry go over four yards of carry. If you take Debo out of it, I'd have to do the math, but Debo was 10 yards carry and they were 4.1 for the team. So, you know, if you take Debo out, well, what do you think that number is? 3.2, 3.1, it might be. That'd be low. Right. Cause Jeff will, but they, but still they found a way to part of pounding the, I did think this early in the game is like they're running the ball against a good run defense, just partly because sometimes that's what you have to do in order to be able to do other things. Well, it's like, th- and, it's like throwing body blows in boxing, right? Body, you're not right. you're not knocking them out with body blows, but you're just kind of wearing them down. And that's this gets back to what I was saying about Kyle. Like he is very. I, I was watching Lincoln Riley against Iowa State. They ran the shit out of the ball. There are certain young coaches that are quote unquote offensive gurus that love running the ball, and Kyle definitely is at near the top of that. Like that's it's his dream. Now the broadcasters mentioned, and maybe he's lying to him. 
but maybe just Kyle saw on film like it's going to be harder to run a ball when they asked him like do you think you're going to have 40 plus carries again today and he's like probably not and they had mentioned that right when the game he's like they're probably not going to run it as much as they did the previous game and they ended up I think they were 44 carries last week and 42 this week I mean that's that's I mean 80 plus carries in two weeks you could argue like listen is that sustainable probably not but that's what they had to do to right the ship and that's what a good yeah. coach does, do whatever it takes to right the ship, and you just get the momentum. And they're just, I mean, they have very expensive blocking, you know, Trent Williams, elite blocker, George Kittle, elite blocker, Kyle Juszczyk. I mean, highest paid tight end, highest paid left tackle, highest paid fullback. All those guys play the run, right? I mean, are huge parts of their run game. So ride those motherfuckers till the cows come home. When you're yeah, in a pinch. But, when you're in a pinch. And they, the, next at three and five, you're in a pinch. You're in a pinch. Now they're five and five. Uh, but are you going to have to throw the ball? I mean, Rodgers threw the ball 33 times today for the Packers. Kirk Cousins threw it 35 times today I, for the Vikings. But, but I think it's more just about, like, when I think the Minnesota Vikings, I do just think points. Like, they just score. So let's. Just, I'm just going to read you off the last four games. Okay, they lost to the Cowboys four weeks ago, 20-16. to 16. Since then, they lost to the Ravens 34-31. They beat yeah. the Chargers 27-20, and then they just won today 34-31. So, like, they are much more likely to put up 25 points on the board. That, that's my point about just potentially having to be, like, early in the game, you've got, you know, a touchdown's more valuable than a field goal against that team yep. just because they got three players. They have three players, if I told you next week, account for three touchdowns. Like, if Thielen, Jefferson, or Dalvin Cook score three touchdowns individually – that is not crazy. That might be my DraftKings team next week. I don't want to give anything away, but but luckily the Niners' defense has played a lot better. Uh, but Justin Jefferson, it's just I do think next week the game plan it, maybe it's just as simple as just keep running the ball against them, keep them off the field. That's you know one of your best defenses can be just staying on offense, right? Yeah. Keep their offense. Off here's the, field. the thing that the Vikings are tempting to throw the ball on too. Well, their DBs stink. Again, <laughs> I, I I barely looked up once they took the lead. I'm like, oh, I wonder if Rogers is going to lead him on a uh, game or game tying drive. First play, it's the guy for 75 yards. Did you know Valdez Scantling was fast? I just think 24. I think their DBs just aren't that fast. Their DBs are terrible, terrible. Yeah. So can the Niners make a run? I mean, they we did a we talked the other day about the things that they need to happen for them. And a lot of things happen for them. It does feel like things have been going their way for the last few weeks in terms of, you know, I mean, I hate to use this phrase, but the football gods. Like things are just they they're in pretty good shape right now at five and five. Minnesota's the sixth seed at five and five. New Orleans is the seventh seed at five and five. Philly's behind them at five and six. Carolina's behind them at five and six. I think the Saints play uh Thanksgiving too. Play or the Bills. Yeah. That's the late game on Thursday. Well, if you, you root for the Bills, so you knock them out. I mean, it's technically not a playoff game because you could lose this game and still get in because some of these other teams are in shambles, right? Like if the Saints lose, they'd be 5-6 and six too. But you win this game, I would feel pretty good about their chances to get the 6 or 7 seed, right? This is a big fucking game Sunday night. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Huge. this is what we kept talking about. You do not play the Saints. You do not play the Panthers. You've already played the Eagles and you beat them, but they're, you know, they haven't had their bye week, but they're still, what, 5-6? and six? You control your destiny. You win this game, you're in really, really good shape, guy. And you you hit on this last week, and it's true. 
I don't care if they're three and fifty. <laughs> when you play Seattle at Seattle, if Russell's playing, that game will feel hard. I, I don't care what their record is; that game's going to feel very difficult. But you win this game at home, which is going to be hard. We've seen how hard it is for the Niners to win this game. You're in pretty good position to get to nine wins with some tiebreakers. You, you probably get a playoff bid, you know. But you got to win. Like you, you lose this. Now you take back all that momentum you just had. Plus, it'll right. feel like God. Why can't you win at home? Also, it's just a representation of: Are you a good team? Are you a playoff team? I would say this though: start to finish, like week one to where we sit today, Minnesota has been way more consistent than the 49ers. I when I watch them, for the most part, they play their game. They've lost a lot of them because of missed field goals, but they have been more consistent. Now, the Niner team we've te- seen the last two weeks. That's the Niner team I think we thought we were getting all season, but that hasn't. Now, if that's the team we're getting moving forward. We're in good shape. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I felt that way too, although admittedly I've watched the Niners closer than I've watched anybody else, right? I felt that way too. But it does at a certain point you lose five close games. You go, what what are you what are you not doing but they, in but, these games? But Minnesota, I think their five losses, I bet four of them felt pretty close. Right. Well, absolutely. They easily could have lost today, you know, in the same fashion. He threw a fucking pick and the guy dropped it. Who do you think's better when I just say Minnesota Vikings, San Francisco 49ers, November 21st. Do you feel confident? Yeah, I've trusted Minnesota more this year, but I but I do think the Niners might be better. I agree. They should be better. But they do have... Why? Why should they be better? I think top to bottom, they have better players. And I don't think the difference at quarterback, even though 10 a.m. Kirk is a lot better than normal Kirk. <laughs> like, I like 10 a.m. Kirk a lot more than 125 at San Francisco Kirk, but... Start to finish, he's been much better in the Niners quarterback situation all season. And I think in this individual matchup, you would agree that Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are very, very tough matchups for the 49ers DBs. Corners, specifically. Extraordinarily difficult. I think they're difficult for them, and thus then they're difficult for the Niners because the question is, what's more likely to happen? You having to play their game or them having to play your game? Well, you don't want to get in a shootout, take the lead. No, but even if you let's say you have a twenty play drive to start the game on them and you score a touchdown, well, great, they're going to get the ball and they might score in six plays. So now, what do you do? Another twenty play drive? Those are hard to do from from a lover. I know though. they've done two in two weeks, but they're hard to do. At some point, whether you're playing with the lead or playing from behind, they are just going to be firing rockets at you. I, there, I'm glad Minnesota. We were talking about this coming into the game. I'm glad Minnesota won. It, this game's big. You know, I'm glad they're five and five. I'm glad there's a lot on the line. I think we're going to learn a lot about the Niners, right? Because it's like you don't even need. There's not some Newt Rockney speech needed for this game. It's pretty clear what's on the line. Yeah, I I agree. But I would also say what's scary about these are the types of games where you can do things well and still lose on a pick. But they, right, you might just lose the game. Yeah, but I'd say this guy they lost because Minnesota can be really good. You've lost four or five games in that situation where a, a couple of those losses, beside the Arizona loss, came down to a play here, a play there. If you want to make yeah. the playoffs, like you need to fucking make that play in a given game. One hundred percent. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's 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 the the margins are just margins are thin. Like a lot of teams lose games and then go through the film and find good things they did. Eventually, it's really hard to win a bunch of games. Eventually, in watching the Minnesota game today, like they did benefit, like playing at home is a big deal for them. And that's the one thing with the Niners, for whatever reason, they haven't really got the big benefit from playing at home. They've lost a ton of games. They just, they have looked better on the road, I guess, beside the Monday night game, which I would even throw out a little bit. It was like their season was on the line, right? That was a. 
kitchen sink game. Like, you go three, it, it would have been fucked. It would have been over. And they did, and they threw it. And then they, they, they backed it up with another good performance today against a shitty team. And now it's like, okay, now you're just playing an equal, you know, which is going to be fun to watch. Like, this is this game could be 10-10 at half, right? It's not going to be one of those where they just have a commanding lead. It's like they just need to hold them off. Like it feels like this thing is going to be... It depends. If they get a safety and then a pick six in the first four minutes, uh, you know, it's happened before. But no, I agree with you. I think what's unique about them... The Rams game was really the first time they they've only beaten one good team this year. Eagles aren't terrible. Eagles aren't terrible. Okay, so they beat a not terrible team. Put it this way: they've only beaten one team ahead of them in the standings. Yeah, and that was the Rams. Well, I mean, this is part of the you know pull yourself up by your own bootstraps theory. Beat somebody ahead of you. It's a big week. Don't 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 wait for somebody else. To beat Minnesota, you got to beat Minnesota. You know what's exciting about this week is a defensive head coach who is their defensive play caller, Kyle, and offense who kind of feels like he's, you know, corralled his group and got back into a rhythm. Like this is from a schematic standpoint. Like I was thinking today, and I had a, oh, I heard this from Michael Lombardi, and I've stolen this, and he's right. The big, like college, for the most part, Urban really separated from everyone, and so is Nick. Nick's a better, I think, schematic coach, but best recruiter in the game. No one recruited better. So Monday through Sunday, he's out recruiting everyone. There is no recruiting once the NFL season. You know what you do? You scheme. Monday through Sunday, you scheme. And you watch Urban today, and you just go like, they don't, what, they didn't even have any curveballs. You know, and obviously Kyle's team is better, but... When I think Kyle, when I think Kyle Shanahan, would he ever work in college? No. Do you think I could never see him on the phone on Wednesday night? You know why? He wants to be nerding out on the on the whiteboard. He wants to be drawing. Like he's a schemer. That's when I think Kyle Shanahan. I think schematics. When I think Urban Meyer, I think on the phone at Ezekiel Elliott or the Bosa's high school. You couldn't pay Kyle Shanahan to do fucking Lane Kiffin going to Arch's game. He'd he'd hate that. That's the thing. Lane is Lane's interesting, right? Because Lane seems like he fits in. Well, I think Lincoln and Nick. They you just have to embrace it if you're going to be in college. Where I think that's the hard part for Urban to make the transition is he's a recruiter, and Kyle's a schemer, and Kyle took him to the woodshed. But like, listen, with better players, Zimmer is a polarizing guy. I think in in Minnesota fan land, he's probably going to get fired if they miss the playoffs. But when I think Mike Zimmer, I think defensive schematics. He's a defensive. He's how many defensive head coaches in the NFL are defensive play callers? It's got to be him and Brandon Staley. Like it's a short list. Mike Tomlin hasn't called plays in his career since he got to Pittsburgh. Since he was a defensive coordinator for like two years, a year. Or two. I think it was a year. When's the last time Pete Carroll called? Like defensive head coaches go. CEO Zimmer is a sixty-two five-year-old, however old the guy is, with the play sheet in front of his hand. Yeah. That's his baby. Yeah. Well, that's what makes them so unique. It's why on paper I felt like they should be better. Not this year, but just under Mike Zimmer. So you got a really good defensive coach and an explosive offense? How does that not work? Well, this is the pushback, and this is what's so fascinating about this week. 10 a.m. Cousins is, you know, an all, yeah. a pro bowler. He put him in some of these different spots. He, he doesn't look the same. And so when he's not as elite, they're not as good. Now, who are we He's getting? Not elite. Well, they played them, and I, I was at that game, the playoff game. They fucking destroyed them. Now, they, yeah, they had Diggs instead of Jefferson. Well, that's an upgrade. Dig- Although Diggs was good in that game. He had a touchdown, yeah. He was sweet. Yeah, <laughs> early, right? 
They went. They, First, their one drive was three passes. I think it was a completion, a PI, and a touchdown. Boom, 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 touchdown. But that's all they did. Uh, I think that was the final. That was all their points. Cold and silence says this Fangio call his own plays. No, I think they have a defensive coordinator. I think. Hmm. It's a good question though. I don't. Don't quote me on that. I don't think. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess the, we'll we'll get to this matchup more later in the week. But um, the flip side of it, right, is that. Some of the things we talk about with Garoppolo also apply to Cousins. Can he avoid that mistake that he probably can't overcome? The difference is that for a lot of this year, you haven't had Kittle or you haven't had the guys that help you erase things. They have Jefferson every game, I think. They got they got they got erasers, you know. Um, and here's the other thing, John. Like New Orleans, which way are they trending? Down. Philly, whatever. Carolina, which way are they trending? Down. You've got a couple teams now. We've we've been saying for a while we think it's two spots. Maybe Minnesota's trending up. So maybe, you know, if you don't beat them now, not only are you in a bad place, you might still get some help and you you are still potentially in the playoff race. But now instead of one instead of two spots there's one yeah. probably, right? If Minnesota goes on the road. 100% like Minnesota, whoever loses this game is not out, but you're just in such a better position with the tiebreaker over that team and being 6 and 5 and giving yourself some wiggle room of you know, you have six games left. All you do is need to go four and two in the games. You go five and six to get to ten. It's a lot more difficult, right? You, can you go five and one? That's that's a difficult stretch of football. Now nine and eight may get you in there when all the dust settles, but that's pretty risky. I, I think this week is enormous for just the last December stretch of five games. It gives you some breathing room, or no? You yeah. Know? David says, "I think the Saints are in trouble. Look at their remaining they're, schedule. They're, they're done. I mean, Simeon's." He's not good enough. Just that simple. Honestly, Minnesota, I feel like Minnesota would be more likely to lose this game and still make it than the Niners. Just because like I, I the Niners could lose to Seattle. Niners got that Thursday night game to Tennessee. It's, their schedule is a little weird. Cincinnati, like they that I don't know who's covering Jamar Chase on the Niners. I would not want to be New Orleans uh Thursday night, first of all. And then they play the Cowboys, who I guess they both play Thursdays, right? New Orleans and the Cowboys both play Thursday. That game will be at home. Uh, that game's in New Orleans. So they got to play the Bills and the Cowboys next. You're, sa- you're, sa- you're saying Dallas Cowboys is the following Thursday? Um, no, I'm saying the Saints and the Cowboys both play Thursday, so they both have extra time. I think they play Sunday night gotcha. the following week. What? Cowboys, Saints. Okay. Uh, then they play the Jets, then they play the Box, then the Dolphins, the Panthers, the Falcons. I mean... I'm with you. It's more about them than it is about that schedule. Them just not being good enough. Minnesota's remaining schedule after the Niners, they play the Lions. Then they play the Steelers. Then they play the Bears twice. They also play the Rams and the Packers. Cow- Cowboy Saints is the following third. They've done they did this two years ago. Oh, they're playing back to back Thursday games? Yeah. So the second Thursday is a that. normal week. That's weird. It is. But, you know, I'm sure the Cowboys on Thursday night football is not a bad recipe. But the Saints lose these next two games, I'd say they're fucked. Like are they making a run at 5 and, and they're seven? not they're not going to be favored in either one of them. You go 5 and 7, you got to win out to go uh to get to 10 wins. They're, they can't do that, Trevor Simeon. Minnesota's got some wins left on its schedule too. Lions, Bears twice, Steelers. Minnesota's Even if Minnesota they're loses good. they look like a playoff team. Yeah. They look like a playoff team. That's what I would say about them. You could argue both these two teams should be like the two playoff spots should go to the Niners in Minnesota. But like you said, you look at the Niners, who they beat beside the Rams, who they just own. You want to feel good about going to the playoffs? You got to start beating some good teams. You know, this will just be 
This would be their best win of the season, given how much is on the line. You've got your mojo back. To beat this team means you have to play well. They have really good players. They have players that you would see in the playoffs, right? Jefferson's elite. Thielen dominates. Dalvin Cook is fucking sweet. Cousins, I mean, he's got his issues, but he's probably better than the quarterback you have. He is. I mean, who's better quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo or Kirk Cousins? Cousins. Yeah. Uh, I, I would just also put it this way. Like, in any given day, they're likely to have three of the top six players in any game they play in. You know Cousins' touchdown to pick ratio this year? Cousins' touchdown to pick? I'm going to say I don't. I got to look it up. Does it count today? Real. Yeah, I'm counting today. Okay, I'm going to guess, I mean, based on what you just said, that it's uh, 24 to 4. I mean, you're close. It's uh, It's 21 and 2. <laughs> how's that guy how's this possible how's he only thrown two interceptions he got lucky today like I, I bet the pff guys would say he's three or four drops like that one he hit savage in the hands right he hit him in the hands it, it, it would have been a tough it was a tough catch yeah he was up in the air but it, but, it was yes, a pickable was a pick. ball for a good in, in a moment where you could not have that happen well he was force feeding his best player that they clearly double teamed right <laughs> I would imagine Savage cheated, you know, pulled a little Ed Reed, like, I'm going to fake like I'm going, but I'm going over to 18. Because I'll give Cousins credit on this one. He realizes this guy's better than everyone. He force feeds him the ball, right? It's like when all else fails, he ain't going to Thielen. He's going to Jefferson. And Jefferson, for the most part, goes down with the place. Patrick says he's the good baker. We're baker's numbers Sunday. uh, I don't think very good. Because they were like tied with the Lions for a minute. What was the final score? Thirteen to ten. Thirteen to ten. Baker was fifteen uh, to twenty nine, one seventy six. You want to hear Tim Boyle's line? Uh, please. Fifteen of twenty three for seventy seven yards, three point three yards an attempt, and two interceptions. <laughs> In, uh, okay. DeAndre Swift had a good game. Fourteen carries, one hundred thirty six yards. The Lions uh, ran for one hundred sixty eight. Before we go on, John, let's tell the people about DraftKings. Ooh. DraftKings, DraftKings. Where I guess we should probably have a couple of games in the Haberman and Middlecoff DraftKings League this week. Yeah, right? Let's do a, let's do a Thursday game with the three games. You think? Okay. We could also do a yeah. Sunday game. Yep. Let's do that. So download. Uh, here's what you got to do. You got to go to the App Store. You got to download the DraftKings app. Use the promo code Ham when you sign up, and uh, get into it right now because DraftKings rocking and rolling, getting our DFS. Uh, $1 if you know if you don't live in California and sportsbook is available $100 in free bets if you want to get into our DFS game hop into that yeah it's uh it's fantastic I mean we have had a lot of fun with it maybe Thanksgiving maybe this is middle cost first win we'll see you've you've been in the money a lot and uh, the win has been elusive but maybe this is the time uh, historically, what has happened is somebody else wins and takes our money. Yeah. So get in the Haberman and Middlecoff DraftKings League. We'll put the link out. We haven't put we haven't put the game up. We'll put the game up Monday. We'll make it two different games. And if you have any trouble with it, send us send us a DM. But we love playing DraftKings. Daily Fantasy is the way to go. It's absolutely the way to go. And uh, we hope that you join us. Yep. Promo code Ham when you download the app. Podcast also brought to you by Manscaped. Woo! 
<laughs> you know, Santa John, you coming down that chimney, you got to be slick. You can't have your chest hair grinded on the inside of the chimney. So manscaped.com, manscaped.com, promo code ham. Yep. Download, or actually, you don't need to download anything. Just go to manscaped.com, promo code ham. You get 20% off. Lawnmower 4.0. Guy and I have that. The, uh, what's it called? The weed whacker? Is that what the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the nose hair no, it's, trimmer? It's incredible. Yeah, what, what do they call that thing? Is it the, the weed whacker? I don't That doesn't sound quite right, huh? But, that doesn't sound correct. Yeah, but just go to manscaped.com, use the promo code HAM, you get 20% off. Uh, the, the lawnmower 4.0 is incredible. It's got an LED light. The, the nose trimmer is unreal. I, I've, been, I've used it several times. And uh, yeah, waterproof LED light, hard to beat. The weed, I, the weed whacker, whacker. I was right. The weed whacker. Yeah, you were. I was right. You put that bad boy right up your nose. You trim those hairs. You don't want those long hairs linking down. You know, there's nothing like a nose hair touching your lip. You know, going to a nice dinner or a business you don't meeting. Pulling them either. That's dangerous. Oh no, yeah, you can get you can get injured that way. No, you don't want to do any of that. Uh, so this is your pubic service announcement. Uh, the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer now available. You got the wireless charging, which is awesome. At this point, if you're not wireless charging, what are you doing? Uh, 20% off and free shipping. Code HAM. Code HAM. At manscaped.com. Code HAM. 20% off. Free shipping. Unlock your confidence. Always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Maybe some of you younger folks, you know, maybe you're way, some of our listeners, John, might be at college. You're going home for the holidays. You're going to meet up downtown, find oh, some people oh, in high school you haven't oh. seen in a few years. You know, maybe you've dropped a few LBs in senior year. You're looking good. You're ready to party. And, uh, you know, you want to be clean and ready to roll. Get on it. You know, Julie's been at Boston College, back home for Thanksgiving, back home for Christmas. And, uh, you know, you want to meet up. You know what they so, don't tell you is that, you know, the freshman freshman 15, you know, the, the 30s 15th, that, that comes as well. What do you mean? Once you get, like, in your 30s, you just gain. Oh, the 30s 15th. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Your just metabolism slows down. <laughs> Um, all right, so on we go. And I think one of the things that has stood out without question, call it luck, call it whatever you want, is that George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel are on the field together. It's amazing. It's like you sign players, you draft players, you develop players. You want your best players on the field. It makes a difference when they are. And it does feel like a different team with those three guys consistently on the field for the 49ers. Well, I mean, it was easily his best game of the season statistically at seven catches for 85 yards. Like, the guys looked really good the last couple of weeks, just moving around, catching the ball, explosion, his athleticism, his ability to make shit happen with the ball. And Like, Brandon Ayuk is a big-time talent. Like, it's one of those things, and for a while we were arguing back and forth, not necessarily me and you, but just people – is Ayuk, how good is he? Is this the next Pettis? Like, he has nothing in common with Dante Pettis, right? He's a legit talent. Now, for whatever reason, not on the same page as the coaching staff, but like, you know, George Kittle is an all-pro level talent. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be an all-pro this year because he's missed games, but he would start for every team in the league. Like, even Andy Reid would use two tight end sets, right? He's that special of a guy. Debo Samuel is having a career season and is a star. But Brandon Ayuk, when you watch him with those guys, you're like, yeah, he belongs. Like, it's just, he's one of those three, right? Now, I'm not saying he's as good as Debo or as impactful as George, but he's fucking good. And so when you get this guy who feels like he's, I don't know if it's confidence back, if just like he feels like the coaching staff believes in him, whatever. Maybe they're just throwing in the ball more. But, guy, he had seven targets, seven catches. Like, it's efficient. Like, Debo now has established himself. George has been a 
was the highest paid tight end last year, right? I mean, this is, but you add him to the mix with, we know they'll just find running backs that they're in pretty good shape. We wondered what the hell they were up to with Ayuk. It was weird. You have to admit it. It was very weird. I mean, we talked about it a lot. And uh, what made it harder is the sort of cloudy language around him. And I don't know who deserves the credit. Um, I start with him because he was the guy that they were saying, suggesting little things, little hints just needed to be, what, practicing harder, his GPS numbers, uh, more locked in, whatever it was. Maybe he wasn't totally healthy. Feels like they but, liked him. They were mad at him, but still liked him. So didn't totally crush him, right? We, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, wanted him to succeed, and you know, probably understood ripping your own player, at least this particular player. Maybe sometimes you send messages a certain way with guys. I don't know if it worked, but I give them credit for being. I guess somewhat patient with him, but I give him credit for responding to public criticism. Agreed. I mean, that's my point. Yeah. They could have been more critical. They didn't share all the information that everybody wanted, but the bottom line is sometimes in season adjustments are hard, especially for young players. And maybe it was as simple as he wasn't fully in shape because he had not been totally healthy, but he clearly made an in season adjustment and responded. So I have to give the Niners some credit here. They handle it a certain way. We didn't all understand why they were handling it a certain way. And now Brandon Ayuk is playing well. So I think everybody involved on that side of things deserves some credit for this. And by the way, thankfully, it didn't like he came back ready to roll when it still matters that he contributed. They were a little cloak and dagger with it, with it, right? It was just it was just a little. Yeah, but I give them they, they, yeah. that that they were operating what they thought was the best way to get him right. It wasn't so much we have to explain why he sucks and rip the guy so he looks bad and we look good. It was they were trying to find a solution. Last four games, twenty catches, right? That's where you're heading in the right direction. Yeah. Four games, twenty catches, couple touchdowns, and just you see him and you go, yeah, that's what it's supposed to look like. And even in the Arizona game, when that fumble, that play was sweet, right? He goes up there like he's an NBA player, 50-inch vertical, catches it, gets on his feet, makes a guy miss, gets upfield. He looks sweet. <laughs> I thought today, like, Debo's going to get all the credit just because he's doing crazy shit. They just, I don't know. He switched positions <laughs> midseason? Like, it's one thing, like, they get, everyone hands the ball. Like, Robert Woods gets end-arounds. Odo Beckham has got end-arounds. Deshaun Jackson used to get end-arounds back when he was fast. That's not weird to give your playmakers the ball. You know, I remember an offensive coordinator once told me, he said, Andy Reid's best attribute is like people crush him for not running the ball. But if you look historically, he gets the ball to his running backs a lot. He would just argue, yeah, I don't give Shady McCoy 18 carries. I give him 11 carries and I throw him the ball nine times. Like I get him his touches. They just get Debo his touches, but he can line up in the backfield and just stand there like a running back, which is pretty unique. You know, I would say, you know, Justin Jefferson ain't doing that. Devontae's not doing that. Like, it's a hard thing to do. And he looks pretty natural doing it. That Ayuk is a true wide receiver, and he's starting to just, put, like, make switch sweet shit happen just on a slant route and get an extra five yards. He's tough. He makes contested catches. You notice today, like, I'd even say over the last three or four weeks, he's made catches in traffic. Ball skills yeah. are really, really good. You know, that's... He catches the ball away from his body. It's not like he's a body catcher because he's not the biggest guy, but it doesn't have to be perfect. He can jump. 
Obviously, once the ball's in his hand, he's really fast. He's a big-time talent. You know, I don't know if he's ever going to be like Justin Jefferson or whatever, but you can't convince me that he can't be a 80-90 catch guy, right? Well, you go back to the beginning of the season, we thought this was going to be one of the best combinations of receivers in the league because we thought – and I, I projected what they would need from him was – Somewhere around 75-plus catches. Guy, 20 catches. Maybe this isn't updated because it says he has 22 catches. He had seven today. Who, I don't know. Who are you talking about? Yeah, it's not. Debo or It's not updated. So he has he has 29 catches now in the season. He had 22 coming in today. But he had seven. Yeah, not great. He had seven but, today. But he, you just, yeah, but maybe the pace. Yeah, you start having six to seven to eight catches a game. You get up to, oh, by the end of the season, he has 60, right? They have seven yeah. games left if he averages – What's five times seven? That thirty-five. You're already at you sixty catches. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Given the way, like you said, he started. I mean, guy, he had through the first four games, he had one, five, six. I mean, he had eight catches through the first month of the season. <laughs> that was a little weird. Averaging two catches a game. It was bizarre. It was weird. I know. Actually, I know. eight. He had nine catches through the first five games. And he's got 20 cents. So it's he's definitely trending in the right direction, which is a positive. Debo Samuel had eight carries in the game. He had 11 carries coming in. So he has 19 catches now on the season. Okay. In his first two years, he had 22 catches, uh, 22 carries, excuse me. Debo has 19 carries on the season. He had 22 carries in the first two years. I'd be curious how many of those came from the running back spot and weren't just you know, end arounds three, maybe I would guess he had a lot of, it felt like he had a lot of end around play. Right. Honestly, if you would ask me how many end arounds he had in the first two years of his career, I would have guessed more than 22. Felt like he lined up early on a lot, like uh, the wing T offense, you know, when the guys like lined up over the tight end and kind of comes around. The use check kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where 19 lines up sometimes. I mean, I don't, I don't love the idea of Debo Samuel getting eight carries a game for the rest of the season, but I, I, I don't hate it because when you watch him, it feels like he's gotten a little smarter with the ball in his hands, doesn't it? Like it doesn't feel like he's quite lowering well, it, his shoulder. He's getting down. Like I feel like he's playing pretty intelligently. I think he gets an actually lower impact collisions from the running back spot than he does when he's on an end around. You know? Well, do you know who gets in the highest? It's great vision. I'll tell I mean, you who gets in the highest impact plays is 85. Catch on and out, throws the corner off, sees three DBs, and goes, I'm coming at all three of you motherfuckers. Lowers his shoulder, and it's just a huge collision. Like that... I respect it. In a 24-point game with four minutes left in Jacksonville. Is there anyone that <laughs> seeks contact with the ball in his hands like George? Of all the de- of all offensive skill guys in the league, he yearns for it. I don't think so, <laughs> man. I, I don't see how you could find anybody else. I I mean, did, Zeke, did Jerome Bettis Zeke, look for contact like this? I, I looked up. I saw Zeke limping off today, actually. Yeah, I don't know what his deal was today. Yeah. I didn't all yeah anyway I, I no it's I I think if if we pull up it the box score kind of matches what we saw Debo 9 touches Ayuk 7 touches I would say actually with Kittle it doesn't match four four touches and a touchdown it felt like he had and the beauty with Kittle he does more you know and then obviously they they try to get the ball to their other star on offense Trent Williams Air Williams I mean I have been begging not actually, that's not right. I have not been begging. I've just been expecting. I thought it was going to happen against the football team last year as a fuck you to Dan Snyder, and it didn't happen. Uh, you like clearly, you like the way they did it, and then listen, I'm not. No, I'm I not ain't a, it. It's like Kyle, and again, I, I I don't even pretend to know more offensive football schematics than Kyle. But 
when you do line him up on the opposite side, he's like, I'm checking in as a tight end. Like, what do we think is going to happen? It's pretty obvious. Now, I guess to throw him the ball, he has to check in, correct? He has to declare eligible, but maybe you would get away with it a they little lined more if he's on the, right on the side. other side of the offense. <laughs> Who's to the left? I don't know. Trent Williams, the best tackle in the football. Wait, he's lined up over the right tackle? What's going on? Even if you didn't catch the fact that he alerted the officials to the fact that he's eligible, you would notice him standing in the wrong place. So he gets double teamed. Do you appreciate Jimmy, Jimmy G force-feeding the ball? you got to throw him the Jimmy block. told him, I'm throwing you the ball no matter who's open. Yeah. I've just. Would you have gone lollipop instead of a little harder pass? It, it wouldn't have mattered. Nothing was working. It wouldn't have worked. Well, you go back shoulder. You know, he had space behind him. Let the route develop, maybe? Well, just let him fall down, you know? That's what happened, I thought. Yeah, but he threw he threw more of a straight line pass than a looper. Just hoping it would get through somebody's arms. Every big man thick six, every thick six, as I saw Jeff Schwartz calling it the other day, college football. It's how do how do offensive linemen score touchdowns? It's usually like the misdirection. Everyone's flowing one Throw way. Back. The guy yeah, leaks yeah. out. Like oh, yeah, so there's that one. Like the way JJ JJ Watt scored his against the Raiders, right? Kind of lined up, and then he just random fade route. Yeah. Then, like you said, you got the throwback play happens all the time. They used or like to, a throwback screen type situation. I feel like they used to throw Vrabel. He would just play tight end and just run a route. I'd say that's what JJ did. Run a route. I don't know. I've ever seen a, the, someone try to throw a touchdown to an offensive lineman like that, and still nobody has because that was. I, honestly, working. when he went up, I was like, it's pretty well, he coming down. Can you imagine him twisting an ankle or something? Well, you said it, and I you said it the other day, because we've, we've anyone who's been listening for a while know we've talked about this for a while. You said the other day, I'm like, why wouldn't you do it? And you said, because he could get hurt. And I thought of that watching him get up because he fell hard. He's big. He falls hard. Would you hand on the ball? Too risky. I would just stop now entirely. Yeah. I would <laughs> walk away from it. We tried. Sorry. Yeah. Maybe it'll be in the game plan when you're a free agent week 17. But. Well, that's why I was thinking they did a couple things today. They ran a quarterback sneak on third and two, and they oh, got it pretty easy. Sorry, one other thing, John, but reset that up in a second. I didn't even know this. I like to think I know some of the rules. When you're an offensive lineman that reports eligible, you can't be in the next play. You have to come out for a play. Oh, that's why he left. Yes. Oh, I was like, why is he? Why? Why did you put him in moving back tackle? Anyway, sorry, make the point. Okay, so that's a pretty risky thing to do that with your star tackle. You don't really do it unless it's going to work, it's a fourth down, or... Or like third and five. It doesn't or really matter what's happening. Yeah, yeah. I get you. I I, you, I did not you know, know that. You know rules better than me. I did not I know. I did not know that rule. I, I it thought, makes no like, sense. Why is he coming get off it. the field? It's weird. Anyway, because I guess then you'd have to declare ineligible. I'm sorry, you were... Well, because I, I do... And listen, I know football is just a numbers game in the in the blocking element of it. But for example, and I listen, it's it's irrelevant. But when you get to the, you know, within the two yard line, you do have a good left guard, a center, and definitely the best left tackle, a high paid tight end that can block, and an elite fullback. Like I, I think you just go, we know what we're doing, you guys know what we're doing, mono a mono, let's fucking roll. <laughs> and just and just roll. With Jeff Wilson or when Elijah Mitchell comes back and like when you're in just I can never fault, you know, because I would say offensive coordinators sometimes get crushed when they go for it. And it's like, oh, they ran it up the gut. No, just run it off the tackle and with your tight end. And just, you know, we're coming left. You guys are lined up left. We're just going to shove you. That to me is what, you know, I, I understand going up the gut when everyone lines up. I don't care if you have Jim Otto as your center. But when you kind of go off a tackle, you know, especially with what they can do with their tight end and their fullback, 
and they're I, you know Jeff Wilson and definitely when Elijah comes back are physical runners. I would do that, or hell, even do like quarterback, like kind of. Jimmy's a good quarterback sneaker. The more I watch football, the more I like quarterback sneaks. What well, worked clearly? They had a play today not lined up that if they had a certain gap open, he could check to a quarterback sneak at third and two, and it, he got it. What do you yeah. think he got? Three yards. Yeah, you know what? I love that because I the thing that baffles me. I was thinking about this Saturday. I had this offensive coordinator Haberman thought watching college football. If you're ever in four down territory, then uh, to me, and you're in third and short, or even if you're not in third and short, if you're in four down territory, you should always, I think, have a quick snap sneak just as an option. Because I see it a lot where a team is third and three, they get a yard or they get stopped on a handoff, and then they stand around and everybody like, no, let's get back to the line of scrimmage. What are we going to do? Unless we're planning on running some Mr. If we're just, if you're going to run it on third and three, get stopped, and then you're going to turn around and hand it off again on fourth down, then you should at least have the option to do a quick sneak at the line of scrimmage after you get stopped on third. Well, you know where the Niners benefit on that situation? They run a lot of toss plays. So you can never just sell out for like the A gap blitz because I would, when I think Kyle Shanahan's favorite play, I either think outside zone or toss. And I would say this year, the toss crack or whatever, whatever they call it, like, He's been doing that, right? And he has. I mean, that's he's run that play since he's been here. And that's part of having George Kittle and Kyle, and, uh, Kyle Juszczyk, right? Why do you toss the ball? I don't know, because I have a sweet pass or run blocking tackles. Definitely now with McGlinchey out, at least one, and a tight end and a fullback that can really block. I feel pretty comfortable, comfortable making my running back pick a spot, and he's going to get three or four yards. Though, early in the game... You gave the Jags some credit. Like they, they had scouted that play pretty well. Like they were there. Yeah, they were yeah. overloading the kind of the corners. I want to get this comment in. This is from Rich, who says he grew up. He's from South Carolina. You should have seen Debo in high school. He said Debo's single game yards record got broken last month. He flew back and gave the kid a signed jersey to congratulate him. That's pretty cool. I don't think it's nothing that Debo and Trent Williams are buddies. Like they've kind of gravitated to each other. Like that's sometimes your wide receiver can just go down a diva path. And listen, when the guy's good, there's nothing you can do about it, right? I do my core again. Like I, I enjoy running the ball. I'm a Pat Hill, even though you know Andy's much more of a passer. He's has phys- he's an offensive lineman at his core. Likes physical guys. Like I love this type of football. I, I, I listen. I like elite wide receivers, but I like my guy just to be more toward Debo. I love Devontae Adams. Like when I think Devontae Adams, I think just Keenan Allen, just tough, you know? Yeah. I can yep. just depend on him. And Debo, we didn't really know because he just kept last year had the hamstring injuries. His rookie season, especially remember down the stretch how awesome he was. I, I didn't think he was this good. I mean, I'll be honest. Like this is pretty crazy to watch. Like, he is a dominant, dominant player right now, guy. Okay? Yeah, and I do think he has be- I think him and I think he Kyle is obviously using him a certain way. I think he's benefited from playing from Kyle for Kyle Shanahan oh, as well. For sure. But wouldn't um, he be good with I mean at his level he's at right now, he'd be kicking everyone's ass. Ab- yeah, absolutely. Uh but the creativity really benefits him and and obviously he embraces it. Not everybody would want to embrace no. playing the way that he plays or you know positionally doing some of the different things that he does. I think back to when Kyle Juszczyk was on the podcast several in the off season and he said Debo Samuel 
really benefited from having, he thought Debo benefited from having Emmanuel Sanders on the team in 2019. And he said, remember, for those of you that missed that interview or don't remember it, uh, he said, uh, he was talking about how much he loved Ayuk. He was actually talking about Debo in the context of Ayuk. He was telling us how much he loved Ayuk and that he thinks Ayuk just, he would really benefit from a veteran receiver around him in the way that Debo really benefited from having Emmanuel Sanders around. At some point, you know, who knows? I don't, maybe one day we'll get the story. Maybe it was some Kittle. Maybe it was Sanu. Maybe it was watching Trent Shurfield. Maybe it was, you know, I don't know if, John, you know this, but Kyle Shanahan used to be a receiver in college. It gets, it's been mentioned on every broadcast for the last month for some reason. It's like Kyle is telling receiver stories in the production meeting. Have you noticed that? Every Everyone's like, you know, and they don't just say like Kyle was a receiver. They're like, you know, from his receiver roots, <laughs> as if like it's influenced the way he well, calls got One thing they dropped today was like, you know, if you're going to be a receiver for Kyle, you got to block because he was a receiver. You mean just like a walk-on guy at Texas? Like, no, he's, he believes in blocking because his run scheme is a run-oriented thing. Like Chip <laughs> Kelly was big on blocking. Why? Because Chip loved running the ball. I yes, bet Lincoln, I being, what do you think Lincoln Riley preaches to his wide receivers when he's calling like outside zone runs? Block. <laughs> it's not like, hey guys, you know, back when I was 20 and I was 17th on the depth chart and Chris Sims was my roommate, we got matching tight ends. I blocked every day in practice. I know what the scout team, like it's like, yeah. yeah, he wants his receivers to block for his baby, the offense. Right. Being his father's <laughs> son has more to do with that than the fact that he was, he wasn't an air raid guy until he got to college. They act like he's Odo Beckham or something in Texas. It's, so, I, it's, it's, it's come up like four straight weeks. It's incredible. I bet but he would anyway. be a little embarrassed the way they talk about it. Right. I don't know. It, it's, it makes me feel like he's in those production meetings. Like, and here's a picture of me after my, I feel like he wanted to be a quarterback eight. more than a wide receiver. Totally. <laughs> yeah, I know. But anyway, I, I think, you know, maybe it's been Debo that's had some. Maybe I, I do wonder. One of the questions I would ask if we were sitting with people who could give us the whole picture of what's happened with Ayuk is, is any of this Debo? Because you're right. It's not an accident that when they line up in the home tunnel, it's Debo Samuel and Trent Williams side by side next to the boom box that's the size of a front door. Yeah. I, I had the thought actually today to uh... – you know, if next week goes this plan to send out a bat signal text tomorrow to someone that, you know, maybe we they could uh, give us some information on that. Maybe next next couple of weeks as a little podcast guest. Don Yee? Yes, you're getting close, warmer. You know, someone on the inside, I think would be a pretty good interview that would give us some good takes. Okay. All right. Well, we need them to be winning. That's the only way we could have one. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see if uh, Jed gets back to you. It's it's amazing uh, how happy and open-minded people are to doing stuff when you, you win three or four games in a row. Yeah. No, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Okay. Are the Seahawks done? Like done, 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 or what? Um, they got beat. Colt McCoy, who is now won two road divisional games and not because his team ran the ball. Well, Colt McCoy was pretty good. Like every time I looked up, they were kind of in a dicey situation, the Cardinals, and they just would convert a third down or make a play McCoy with his legs. The Cardinals went and beat the Seahawks. Russell was not good today. He was 14 of 26 for two Oh seven, no touchdowns. Uh, DK, I guess, had a new color, hair color today. It was 4 of 31. At one point, I was watching that game, and only you watching the video will see this, but DK went in motion, John, and he went in motion, like, slowly. I got to go back and find it. And he does, like, he's just, like, puts his arms out and, like, put, goes, like, it's, like, some weird, just, like, I'm just, it kind of felt to me like a running through the motions motion. It was weird. Are they not in a good but, spot, like, just with the whole vibe? It doesn't feel like they are. 
What do you think? I think Pete Carroll's not going to be the coach there next year, and I, I think that it's for as good as – now, they've gotten a little derailed lately, but the Packers, he didn't get – it. Aaron didn't get injured, right? They handled the offseason drama. It does feel like the Russell offseason drama, something just didn't quite click. Their offense was never good, and then he hurt his finger, and they're now royally fucked. Like, it's okay, they're three and seven. For them to get to 10 wins, they'd have to win out. <laughs> like That's not happening, right? Are they winning their next seven games? No chance. They're scoring, they scored 13 points. It's, but here's the thing. They have had an incredible run. They've basically, you know, in Pete's decade long there, I think this is ninth season, they've made the playoffs eight times. Or maybe this is their 10th season with Russell. So they've made the playoffs eight of nine times. And the one season they missed it, they went nine and seven. People forget they won the division last year by multiple games, but it does feel like everything. And even last year, remember, it's like, how are they 12 and four? I watch them every fucking week. They're pulling games out of their ass. And it does feel that for several years, they pulled some of the craziest games out of their ass that this year it's kind of coming to roost. Because if DK is going to be a weirdo, right? And I, I don't mean like, I just mean a weirdo in the sense of an inconsistent, not an all, presence. not an all in guy. They are screwed because part of their talent, right, was him. Just was he going to be a, the next Terrell Owens? And he had four catches today. Like that's just, I, I, I thought of him like, is he going to be a consistent eight nine catch a game for 150 yards and an unstoppable force? That's not the case. And he, I don't even know what the right adjective is to describe him, but he's. I saw Bobby Wagner say last week, he's like, you know early Richard Sherman, you know, could just get really emotional and let it impact them. And Richard learned to kind of handle it all. And he's like, I see some of that in DK, but clearly Richard was much more mentally stable than DK Metcalf. Right. And just a yeah, more th- consistent player. This has a very negative connotation to it. Maybe it is negative. I, I do. I, I think one of the biggest qualities I'd try to avoid if I were a general manager and part of this is you get a good environment around a guy and people develop, people grow. A 19-year-old who comes into the league as a front runner maybe can learn how to deal with adversity. But it feels like maybe there's some front runner qualities. I don't know. Like when it's going bad, most this is life. Like a lot of things go bad. Can you still perform in those circumstances? These are football games. Uh, it just it feels like they've got a little bit of a front runner vibe right now and it's not working. And so it's just the hole's getting deeper. But the weird part is, is like Russell you know, moved heaven and earth 19 hours a day to like Russell does try to play and do everything he can to play. Now, maybe he's just not good. It's hard for him to be good when they don't have a run game. Their defense is atrocious. Like you said, Colt McCoy against the Niners. Remember, it was like, well, his stats were really good and he played excellent, but it was like, I think 22 of 26 and he hit a bunch of long screen plays. Yeah. 35 of 44 for 330 today. 44 attempts from Colt McCoy and you lose by 10. We talked about this before the podcast. What would any playoff team give to say, hey, your starting quarterback is going to miss three games, and he missed three games, and the backup quarterback is going to win two of three of them, and two of those are going to be divisional opponents on the road. That guy's worth $10 million, right? Yeah. And he's, because I, and he's a good guy, and the games he doesn't start, you love him around there, right? Uh, right. And he can help your young quarterback. Like he's good around a young quarterback. Yeah. People on the team love him. High level. Uh, I think, I think you start signing backup quarterbacks to a lot of money. I think he made this year guy. Is he cheap? Is that what you're saying? Very. How much? 
$137,000 signing bonus, $1.2 million salary cap. Is that the best deal in the league right now? Backup quarterback, one of two games, $1.2 million total. Yeah, not, it has to be the non-rookie deal. Yeah, I mean, for a guy in, his, guy in his 30s. Let me just say that. Guy in his 30s right now, best deal in the league so far this season has to be him. 137000 signing bonus. 1.2 under cap. I don't have the number quite dialed, but, you know, I've, I've had a theory. Like, your backup quarterback, by and large, most of them, it's about can you win a game if I need you to win a game. Excuse me. If you end up... <laughs> His dead cap's one two. His cap hit is nine eighty seven. So it's cheaper to keep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess not technically cheap, but no, he's yeah. Che- yeah, it's he's not cheaper to keep her, but it's his cap hit. It's just an incredible deal. You can't ask for any. And even Kyler's the number one overall pick. Like, what's he making this year? Five. Like their quarterback room, money wise, is pretty incredible deal. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, they've lost, and but they, it's not like uh, DeAndre Hopkins was back today. No, he didn't play. So I, I mean, it's it's. it's are the Seahawks going to lose Russ and are they going to do like a full reset, trade Russ, replace Pete goes out? I think so. Re- replace him and get whatever you can get for Russell and Russell's playing quarterback for whoever. Some, you know, some list of team, the, the list of teams that wanted Deshaun Watson will just transfer all of that capital to. Well, do you know that the Niners play yeah. them on Sunday Night Football? And who knows? May, I guess that could technically be flexed, right? In I, two weeks. I guess they could flex it this week. I don't know. I, I, d- I doubt they do that, but you know that Seattle next week plays the football team, but they play on Monday night football? On the road, right? Or where's that game? Yeah, at football team. Whew. That's a tough little MF yeah, it is. flying back, you know, into the tailwind, right? <laughs> Someone's always, That's always right. There's a headwind. Longer. It's always 30 minutes into the headwind. <laughs> That's right. Flying west, you get the, the – the, <laughs> flying west is slower. Um, now, what's the rule on, on the, the flex? It's like between week, like six and 11, they can only do it twice or something weird like that. And then 12, I don't think they flex anything this season. Now, remember Monday, they're not going to, well, no, I'm just saying they haven't pulled the trigger yet. No, no, you're right. They haven't. What I'm saying is, you know, how there's like a block of weeks. I thought they extended flex. it this season. I thought they had I, Monday night football. They added, right. I thought they flexed Monday night football this season for the first time. Yeah, I don't. I would be interested if they do. What I'm saying though is, I thought there was a window, like it's not all equal, equally flexible the whole year. Like there's a window of weeks where you can only do it a couple of times. But I don't know that. I think it would definitely be kicking in. I mean, their game's twelve five. Like it starts definitely in December, right? That's when they start flexing because they remember they kept moving it up a little bit. But December was always a flex month. Yeah, but who knows? I mean. Maybe the yeah, I, I wouldn't honestly like I don't having not looking at the other games on that schedule. The odds that that game's a really good game is pretty good, <laughs> you know. But it's more don't, isn't there a thing more about like a win loss record Estelle, for sure? How about Eli's got to do a giant? Well, we can talk about that later. Monday Night Football's the Giants again. Well, I told you this. I truly believe, and I, I took a couple of edibles and I was in deep thought last night. I was like, they don't want to lose the New York market. It is their number one media market in terms of people. But their team suck so bad. So you know what they realize? They subsidize the New York market with Tom Brady. Pretty genius. She's like, well, if we just put the Giants versus the Eagles, no one's really going to watch, right? But if I give the New York market to watch Tom Brady in Tampa, pretty smart move. Don't you think that's what they did? (laughs) Because otherwise, why would you put the New York Giants this late in the season when you knew they were going to be terrible? You yeah. could not give like New York Giants football team. They, they, guys, they did the, the same thing with football team in Seattle next week. You subsidize like, them with Russ. 
Yeah, it'd be like if uh, uh, Jim Ursay was like, I'm having a concert. And people were like, no, we're good. He's like, me and Garth Brooks are having a concert. <laughs> it was like, all right, we'll, we'll come to the concert. <laughs> hey, he's no dummy. So, man, the, if, if, if this is the end for the Seahawks, and I got to tell you, as logical as it is, it still feels imp- uh, less likely than it is likely that it's the end of both of them. That game's safe. That week sucks. Okay. That week sucks. A lot of Jets, Eagles, a lot of Giants, Dolphins, a lot of Vikings, Lions. They're they're safe. You know what the Monday night game is that week? In two weeks? No. Patriot Bills. Is Belichick storming back to win the AFC? He had a pretty good day today without doing anything. Yeah. I Remember when Seattle was 1-0 with a win over the Colts? Seattle on any He's, given week, I mean, when, before he got hurt, was like the, the Seattle team that beat the Niners was a wild card level team. Before he hurt his yeah. finger, he they were fine. I mean, they weren't as good as they've been in previous years. They would have been a factor. They're, they're not scoring. Uh, absolutely. Him healthy is not scoring 13 points at home against Arizona, right? He is he is not the same after his 19-hour-a-day rehab. Should have got some more sleep. And if, and it feels like that when he's not on, there's not a whole lot of no. let's elevate Russ coming from his team. That's the problem yeah. for them. Well, like, it feels like they've got like a yeah you yeah, it's your problem, bro. Yeah, throw me the ball. They're just not getting you know Marshawn going for 120 yards, right? Jamal Adams is not getting them two picks. Uh, Martellus Bennett, no, and Cliff Averill like getting them six sacks in a game. I remember going to Niner games when the Niners were down; they were good. I swear to God, they'd have like six or seven sacks in a game. It was like, hey, you can't block these guys. They they are just, now they invested all their money into him. Like he, it's like, Russell, you get $38 million. You know, I was like, paying. once you do that, you need him to be really good, right? Like today, I mean, I didn't watch that much of Cowboys Chiefs, but you just look at the score. Like if Kansas City is going to hold their opponent to under 10 points, guess what? They're going to win every game they play in, even if Car- even if uh, Mahomes isn't good. Like the, the Seattle doesn't even have that in the bag, you know. Seattle, I would say a good day for them if they if they hold an opponent to like seventeen points the last couple of years. That feels like a Super Bowl victory, right? And I'm not even sure they win that game. <laughs> no, so it's just I, I I wonder if it gets ugly, right? Because if if Russ is going to ask for a trade, like, well, we're going to fire Pete if he asks for a trade, but it's like, Pete, are you going to like restart here with a brand new team? What? I see that part wouldn't totally shock me just in that this Pete, Pete is in control, right? Technically. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Although, you know, ownership has transitioned and I wouldn't be shocked if Pete wants to start again without Russ, as opposed to going out like this. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I, I do think it won't end. I do wonder. They've accomplished so much together. But it's going to be hard for this thing to just end quietly and peacefully. Well, it Most things do not end quietly and peacefully, right? I would say in professional sports. But definitely football. Because the egos, the money. Especially when the player has something left. Yeah. Like, why are we doing this? I thought he was... And Russell does feel a little NBA-ish. So, like, are him and Pete going to come to a stand where someone's going to draw a line? Like, who's going to push back? We- Bro, just get him to the New York Giants. If I got to watch them in primetime three times a year, at least have Russell Wilson at quarterback. They do have two first-round picks. And John Schneider might want uh, Saquon. 
Saquon, Daniel Jones, three ones. Who says no? <laughs> well, I know the Giants say yes. Prize Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app because it's the easiest and most exciting way to get in on the action. While you watch your favorite players in sports, you just pick more or less on two or more player stats, and then the fun is on. Prize Picks has something for every sports fan, from basketball to hockey to League of Legends and everything in between. It's really simple to play. You make your picks, submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. I'll do it at halftime of a basketball game. And I also have some season-long more or less picks on MLB homers. You may remember, I've got less on Otani homers this year. We'll see. And at halftime of your next NBA blowout game, just jump on and go, ah, Steph Curry more than 11 points in the second half. It'll change the game for you. Download the Prize Picks app and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's ham fifty for a first deposit match of up to a hundred dollars. Price picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it. Four years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you... Free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park, been there a million times, never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app, your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What about the Raiders? I mean, the Raiders have now lost three in a row since the bye. That's the simple way to put it. We all know, I'm not going to repeat and go through everything else, but Gruden and Ruggs, and they've gone from in the driver's seat, not just in the AFC West, but 
one of the driver's seats of the AFC. Um, driver's seat, probably not the best way to talk about it, but they go from five and three to now they've lost three in a row, John, or five and two, excuse me, to five and five. Does feel like that. And mean, they play Thursday night at Dallas. I watched a decent amount of the game, 32 to 13. It didn't quite feel that bad, but it didn't, no. Derek, but I, it didn't feel good. No, they, well, they were down 16 to three at one point in time, or maybe it was 16 to six. Yeah, 16 to six. And it just felt like, God, the Raiders are really trying for every yard. And I, I, and I just thought, like, God, they are a touchdown away from their season ending. And they ended up, Cincinnati ended up kicking a field goal, I think, to make it like 19 to three. But it just felt like God. And then obviously what happened, it's over, guy. I mean, they're they're done. I but the, I, I think the sad part about them, quote unquote, being done is for a split second, even when the Gruden deal happened, it felt like, okay, maybe they have enough infrastructure here to just be a 10-win team and just kind of be a good franchise together. Now it feels like, are they a 7-10 and 10 team? And then you're blowing the thing up and starting with a new coach and firing Mike Mayock? Because that's... If you told me right now what's the most likely outcome, I would say Mark Davis fires everybody and they start over. I think so too. Although I don't think the fact that they're going that they've lost their last three and they might miss the playoffs is Mike Mayock's fault. Like to me, I'm fine with him doing that, but that has to be the evaluation of Mike wasn't totally in charge before. I don't think Mike can do the rebuild. The fact that they're not winning, and I, you know, I've said this, I believe this very strongly. It did not surprise me in the slightest. You and I talked about it. We actually, the Raiders were our lock of the week after the Gruden against Denver firing, yeah. or whatever you want to call it. They were our lock. We thought they'd respond. The rug situation has been very different, and it did not surprise me the way they played against the Giants. I did not think they were going to look good that day, and I've said for a couple of weeks I think it could totally derail their season. I think it has. And on top of that, for all that Rich Basaccia brings to them, what he does not have is the ability to solve this problem, that their offense just scored 13 points. That is John Gruden's thing. This What they need right now is the thing John Gruden has. Now, maybe if he wins his lawsuit, he could come back before uh, you know uh, Christmas. But I don't think it's happening. And that I think there's, there are two fundamental problems going on. There is the emotional toll that I really do think the Ruggs thing is. I, I just see it. They don't. And obviously the element of him not being on the field. But there's also now they need to solve problems, and I don't know who they turn to to solve their problems on offense in terms of the, the, the John Gruden. This is John Gruden's thing. He did it with them. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I went after the Niners game. I went to, over my buddy Fry's house, and he has this outdoor television. He was smoking this turkey, and he had the red zone on. And I look up. Smoking this. I was like, where's that going? <laughs> smoking this turkey. Good. Smoked turkey's fantastic. And uh, they ran an end around to Deshaun. Deshaun not only is not fast as he once was, he's not as agile as he once was. He, like, tried to make a move and got tackled. I was like, ugh. Like, he's just... The drop-off from the football standpoint, because like you said, they lost their play caller, so they had to transition play callers middle of the season, not because someone demoted themselves, because you know he got fired out of the bull. Like, they didn't see that coming. I think John Gruden would have been in major trouble if I just would have removed Henry Ruggs from his offense. Like, that's the blow of Henry Ruggs to the offense is derailed Derek's season. I think if Ruggs was still on this team, they'd be... I agree. They, they, this one, they would not be in this position. No, they right wouldn't. But he's, They'd overcome the Gruden thing. But it's over. Like, in... And that's like you can't replace Henry Ruggs midseason because it's not like you just replacing like a speed receiver, but the number twelve pick in the draft who you felt really good about, guy. 
I, I just watched Cincinnati, like Jamar Chase having him out there, who obviously, I mean, I kept looking up. He was making plays. His stat line today was three for 32. Kind of felt like, I guess, I, the touchdown in the corner of the end zone, but Mixon was dominant. They, they just had more impactful players. Like, you know, part of having Waller and Ruggs was you had two guys that could be explosive, and then Renfro could do his damage. Like, today, Waller had seven for 116, but you don't have another guy that could, even if Henry's just four for 80, two of those plays are 30-yard gains, right? So you, they struggle to move the football. You know, explosive plays. Derek's really, he's just kind of become a guy without him. And I don't, I mean, I don't know what he's supposed to do. Like, if I take any sweet wide receiver away from any team in the middle of the season, like, like if I just take, Tyler Boyd away from Cincinnati that would hurt there even if I even if I keep chase like it, it would hurt you right like he was very very important to him and like you said there's a whole another emotional element like Josh Jacobs saying this week that he's gone over to his house multiple times like that's just he's a human being and we said this with the moment it happened Josh Jacobs just wasn't his teammate on the Raiders Josh Jacobs has probably known him since like 2015 so if you know someone since 2015 if you're listening to this there's probably not, even if you work with someone, like when you play with someone in college and you're both offensive players, can you imagine how much time those two guys as human beings just spent with each other? Just Josh Jacobs and Henry Ruggs every day in meetings, around each other, getting yelled at by coaches, getting called into Saban's office, on the field with Tua and Mac, like just around each other. And- well, how, how much do you think the conversation comes up every day in the Raiders facility? I, well, right. Just, hey, you talk to Henry. Yeah. Just that, that emotion. Yeah, decent amount. We're like, hey, man, you see Henry misses his breathalyzer test and he's getting in more trouble? Like, or just, it's an ongoing just, story. Or how about this? What you and I would be saying, this shit's crazy. Just that. And it just, I think football's really hard to be really good at every day. When normal things are going on. I, I, well, anything is like, like just not being focused on your task when you have a distraction is... When, when again, like it's, I just see John and you've been it, you've been around it, you've worked in it, you've seen it firsthand. Teams can, uh, like, uh, you've been to practice. Like, I, to me, I can watch a team practice and be like, oh, they got some good things going. They're not a good team, but like they, they got, they got some players. And at the end of the day, they're, a, I've seen it in basketball. I'm like, oh, that works, that works, that works. But winning games are hard and it's a 10th place team in the back 12. Like, it's just, I've seen it a million times where I just go, it's so the margin between winning and losing, you have to do, so much winning in order to be a winning team. You have to be able to do a lot of winning and you have to overcome a lot of problems and mistakes and yeah. the other team scores and you four quarters. Some teams just make four quarters look long. And right now the Raiders make four quarters look long. And, and that's what I mean by that is it's, you know, they, if they get up 13 to 10 in the second quarter, it's yeah, they, but they got to have like four more, five more really good drives in order to win this game. And they just cannot do it. They don't have it. They don't have the juice. They don't have the, solutions they just don't have it and i don't know now what they do and i'm with you like i i don't like if they end up going seven and ten the last couple seasons we were very critical of gruden and them imploding i i would not have the same you know critical nature of their season like i it would have happened to a lot of people like i i give these players a pass this organization though has stacked up a lot of crazy shit but like there was some internal pressure on Derek to like can you overcome it and he just not. Now, it's not all his fault. Like, he's missing a player, but 
we were talking for a long period of time. And we, I think we talked about this on Friday's podcast. Like we talked about him like a $35 million quarterback. Yeah. And I mean, they still have a lot. They still have seven games left. Like, can they somehow go five and two? Probably not. Can they go four and three and have a nine and eight season, which for them would be their second winning season in 20 years. <laughs> you know, say what which you want. I, like, I don't, who they are. They're, you know, they I, don't do that. But if they found a way to do that, yeah, you're right. That would not be nothing at all. Now, that probably doesn't get them in the playoffs in the AFC, but okay. Like, let's just find the difference between having a great year and having a terrible year and maybe just do that because at the end, over a five-year window, you're just going to have a couple of those years. Can you make this year one of those years that's just kind of solid? Agreed. All right, so somebody had a great idea the other day. We can talk about a couple of the other games, but I want to make sure we get to this. We had a listener, and we mentioned this on the mailbag on Saturday. This guy, Joe... Joe Mazetta, okay, hit, hit me up with this awesome idea last Monday. So this was last Monday after the Niner Monday night game. He said, I have a fun idea regarding hair. You have listeners and followers send pictures of their hair, and then you two decide whether they should keep the hair or shave the hair. So we talked about this on the podcast on the mailbag the other day, and Austin DM'd both of us and said, you should call it shave it or save it. Boom. Austin Ray. John, this is one of the greatest content ideas I've ever heard. Shave it Isn't or there? save it. Yeah. We need shave it or save it. We need pictures, ideally a couple angles from the front and the top. That's the key. You gotta give us multiple angles from what it looks like looking at you in the face. Like if I'm a, if I'm a girl and we're flirting, what it looks like straight. And then what it looks like from behind or the top. Because that to yeah, me when is. You reach a, down for your wallet to pay for drinks. Yeah. Or if I'm standing behind texting. you in line, if I'm behind we'll you. We'll call it the texting. We'll call it the texting. The texting. Or if I'm Draymond standing over, you're like, whoa, <laughs> you got some missing hairs there. So we need multiple shots and we'll just call it shave it or save it. That's incredible. And, uh, you know, we're on both ends of the spectrum here. We have an incredible head of hair. We got a guy thinking about doing a uh, four year contract for haircuts. And we got another guy who, you know, I'm couple days laid here on a haircut. I got to shave my own myself. Imagine if you'd sign that four-year contract and then a year in. Like, what if I start balding, you know, well, you six would, months in? You would never – yeah, like, you're lucky, but if you were on the fence, you would never sign that contract. <laughs> so, and I think the idea here is this is this is not just about this – is a, this is about support. This is about letting people know, you know, we're going to give you honest feedback, but it's all love. Yeah. You are part of this community, and so we want to help. You know, I hope I can. I hope we can decide on a lot of saves, John. You know, I know for me, I'm going to have a hard time if I'm just evaluating myself. I'm going to have a hard time telling people to shave it. You know what I mean? Like that's. I think it depends, been, like on your facial hair, on your facial structure, how thick your hair is, how how like are you receding? Are you missing it? There, you're right. There's a lot that goes into quote unquote shave it. If you can hold on, I, I am a firm believer in holding on longer or as long as you can. Okay. I, I am not right. someone that throws up the white flag immediately. I held on. Yeah. You were, you had a cocktail going. I remember. Yeah. Rogaine and uh, what was the other one? Uh, Propecia. And that was back when they were, you could not get the generics. Nope. You were paying. What did that cost? I think $89 a month back pre-inflation. That was a lot of money back in like 2009. And you were a grad assistant in front. We were living together. We were paying 450 bucks in rent. Yeah, this is before Amazon, so you couldn't just border seven bottles of Rogaine for probably 20 bucks. Pre-supply did you have chain. to like, did you have to get it from a hospital? No, like you get, you just get Rogaine, I think, at uh, like, what, you Safeway or, or Yeah, you can get it wherever. 
But the the pills, yeah, I had to get it prescribed, and the insurance does not cover it. Bullshit. Man. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's a great idea. So send us a submission. We'll take this video and post it somewhere, too. And uh, we hope... Uh, shave it or save it. Numbers. Shave it or save it. Or is it save it or shave it? Uh, yeah. What do you think? I, whatever sounds better. I feel like save it, save it or shave it. Shave it or save it. I don't know. Whatever. We'll say it two ways. It doesn't matter. I think shave it or save it. Shave it or save it. Good. And here's the other thing. You, the other reason you're, you were not somebody, you did not have, you had a great head of hair. You know, you have loved and lost. Gray would, be strong. Like you, gray would be strong. It wasn't yours, but it was thick. Yeah. It was thick. It was thick. Yeah. It was luscious. So you have loved and lost. It's not like you had some, yeah. you know, if you're an, if you're a nine out of 10, problem. I was probably like a six and a half. Okay. Uh, what else we got? Hit me with some more stuff. Uh, Colts bills. We already mentioned that. You know that Sac- Utah crushes you, Oregon. You know that Sac State's having the most incredible season in the history of the program. Destroyed UC Davis the other night, Causeway Classic. Nine, nine and two, Troy Taylor. You and I talked about this. Maybe we texted about it a week ago. Well, we texted about it on Saturday. If Justin Wilcox leaves Cal for Washington, uh, that Troy Taylor makes perfect sense for Cal. Yeah. He was the co. You remember, you know whose quarterback was at Folsom was Jake. He was Browning. Jake Browning's yeah. coach, and then he was like a quarterback kind of. Co- I don't know if he coached. Goff, I don't think he did, but he's like been a QB tutorer, just a all around good. This is a really, I, I covered him in Utah, really good guy, really likable guy. Yeah. Feels like it might be, you know, wh- what percent chance would you say Justin Wilcox, the next coach at University of Washington? 30%? I don't know. Does that feel high? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a chance. You think, there's, think there's a, a chance? chance? Not knowing anything, I think there's a chance. This is just me talking here. No insight. Yeah. Because I, you know, Justin, I don't know if you saw any of his, but they beat Stanford in the, uh, Big game on Saturday, kicked their butt. Yeah. And it meant a lot to him. Like it's, it means a lot to him. So I don't say that lightly, but I do think I could understand it. I was on a text chain and listen, I like Justin Wilcox. I don't know him personally with a couple Cal fans. I'm like, listen, you could do this. It'd be very cold blooded and Cal wouldn't. But if you were in the SEC, fire Wilcox and hire this guy. It'd be risky, but this guy, offensive guy, leagues going offense. And listen, Justin has tried his ass off. He's been very solid. He's a good coach. I think it might be best for everyone if he just goes to Washington and they hire this guy. Assuming this guy even wants the job. Like, would he be a lock to, to take the job? Um, I I mean, I think it's a it's his alma mater. He was a great quarterback at Cal. How much yeah, do you think I he's making at Sac State? Probably 400 grand max. Even that seems like it could be high. Yeah. What would the minimum so, Cal pay? Two million? Yeah. You can't pay yeah. under two at Pac-12, right? No, no, maybe two. I, I even think two, two and a half would be the lowest. I mean, maybe it's two seven. So, yeah, it's I a, think it'd be. Yeah. Yeah, you said sack. I thought you were going to say the Sacramento Kings. Speaking of successful coaches, John, the Sacramento Kings fired the coach with the second best winning percentage in Kings history on Sunday. <laughs> Rick Adelman, the best winning percentage in Kings history. And then and then it's Luke Walton, who um, uh, had a – I don't know what his winning percentage was. It was like 435 or something. He was he was 68 and 93. Do that math. It was yeah. the second best in, uh, in team history. I do think the highlight, though, of his tenure was a guy sitting courtside last night who – you know, the game was a little later, and, and there was good college football on right at nine. So if you had the day off, which I guess this guy did, you start drinking, have a few pops. One thing gets an, a little away from each other. You realize you're going to a Kings game starting at 7 o'clock. You go, I'm pretty wasted. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and you got a long way to go. 
threw up. I, I don't know if I've ever seen this or heard of this. I saw a lot of people in my timeline that are like, I've been covering the NBA for 20 years. I've never seen this. He threw up. So he's sitting on the court, courtside NBA game, pukes all over the court. He's on the jazz sideline. I guess all the jazz players see it, freak out and like jump to the side. Everyone, they halt the game for 15 minutes. Rudy Gobert said he looked in his eye and saw him smiling as he was puking, said he was happy. That, that, that to me symbolizes the sad part is, and listen, the, the franchise is a joke. Their arena really is pretty awesome. It, it, it is. is. It's a badass arena, and goddamn, yeah. their team sucks. It's one of the best arenas I've ever been to. Their arena is badass, and their team sucks. You Did you see the thing that Again. went viral the other day of Tristan Thompson just talking shit about, which felt like Fox, Buddy, and like Bagley, just crushing guys. Like, basically saying, if you need a coach to tell you to try hard, like, get out of this league, you losers. <laughs> Tristan Thompson's telling you that? Like, goddamn. They're an, they're an embarrassment. Shout out to our guy, Doug Christie, though. He'll fix it. Uh, that's our boy. Well, he'll probably be the coach next year, which... Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. I, we'll I, see, maybe Bobby Jackson's going to, you know, Stockton Kings. I, I would trade De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald for Ben Simmons and just try to get a reset, hopefully hit like a little Chris Webber lightning in a bottle. I'm shocked that the Buddy Heald contract hasn't worked out. Yeah, but it's a big shocker. Tiger Woods, John, returned uh, hitting golf balls. In a uh, video posted 10 hours ago that already has almost 6 million views on Twitter, Tiger is uh, Tiger said he's, quote, making progress. Was that the quote above the video? That's what he wrote, making progress, yeah. What do you think? Leg sleeve on his right leg. Do you think he just throws his out there to get people buzzing? Or, like, who the way he's wired, he's, he's going to do everything humanly possible to come back? I think he's trying to, of course, yes. I don't have any doubt in my mind. I heard Justin Thomas, who says he sees him once a week or whatever, with the no lane up guys a couple weeks ago. He said that I don't think Tiger would come back to shoot like just to be a you know a circus person, right? Just to be there for the hype and shoot seventy eight eighty every week. I do think he'll try to come back if he thinks he can like make cuts. Like I, I don't know, like to even say he's gonna win. Like let's just can the guy compete on the PGA Tour, which he clearly could before the injury, right? But if you remember, his back had been acting up in 2020, right? So he's, it's not like the back goes away with the leg. So now he's got to deal with the leg and then keep the back warm. Did you see the thing? Do you follow Boyd Summerhays on Instagram? Uh, Tony's coach. Tony's yeah. coach. He's, the, he, he's a former PGA Tour player. His son is like Preston. a true freshman going to uh, Arizona State. He's a big Arizona guy. I think Boyd played at Arizona State. I think he's kind of in that little mix. If you just, it's probably over now. His story on Friday of just watching his Tony Finau play John Rom, and John Rom is playing with his kid who's also at Arizona State, and Tony and this other guy. It was like watching a PGA Tour event guy. Just fucking John Rom lost. They combined, Tony shot 13 under, John Rom shot 9 under. That is 21 under combined on 18 holes for these two guys. I mean, it's, do you know, I mean, obviously John Rom's the best player in the world. I tweeted this out, or I Instagrammed it out. Do you think there's, I would say Tony Finau, pick up golf. Like, hey, just playing Olympic next week, $1,000 match. I think Tony's like a top five pick. Just 
pick up golf, not that much pressure, but just come out and play for money. Remember, That's Tony's thing. Remember, he made it playing for money in Vegas. Yeah. That's Tony's thing is pick up Did golf. Did you see the scorecard guy? Eight straight birdies to finish the round. Huh. He course no. record Silverleaf fifty nine eight. He he. I didn't see that hole eleven through eighteen all birdies. I watched a video a while back of him just playing with like some couple people at like apparently what's the hardest course in Utah, uh, and he plays it semi regularly. I don't yeah. think he has the course record there, but yeah, I think that's the speed. Uh, but I do. But back to Tiger for a second. I do think that he's. Uh, I think Tiger Woods has repeatedly set goals for himself and achieved them, and I think he. He has one sole purpose now. I guess my point though that. About, about that video of those guys now again, I, John Rahm's the best. Is how hard good, how good everybody and, is. And Tony is probably I don't even know what his world ranking is. Probably top fifteen ish, but it's really hard, man. It is, it is. But all it takes is you know, we watch enough golf when you see people and your quote unquote average guys are fantastic, and t- it's hard to beat those guys. But Tony Finau and John Rahm don't go thirteen under every. Weekend. No, I, no, I know, but. No, I know you know. They're I'm just saying, like they're young, <laughs> but he he doesn't have to win. He just has to make some cuts. I think that would if he makes cuts, then I think he'll have a shot. He's got to get healthy enough and good enough and enough feel back to be able to play at Augusta National. That's to me. I don't know if that's this year, but that has to be the number one goal for him. I would the place where he has the greatest advantage over everybody else. I'd imagine that's what he's working back toward. Right? He would like to be on the Champions Dinner. He would like to play in that. If he's at Augusta. Because he is the defending. He has not been back since he won, right? He's not the defending champ. Or I guess he did go back. Yeah, he handed the thing to Dustin Johnson in the fall. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. But he missed the last champion's dinner. That's what it was. Did he Was he injured? Yeah, he missed this year because he was injured. Huh? That, that was year. the year when Dustin Johnson won, remember? He had the 12 on the par three where he hit in the water twice. <laughs> and then he came back and birdied six of his last seven holes. And like I remember, uh, it was like Fred Couples, or that wasn't Fred Couples, but someone tweeted out like, "That's the most incredible display of composure in golf history." A tw- right. He got a twelve on a par three, and then he birdied five of his last six holes or whatever. And you start thinking about it, you're like, "God damn, that guy can focus." <laughs> his focus is unprecedented. So you're right. Like if I would even put it above Brady, like it's just ability to compartmentalize. It's probably unprecedented in the world history. <laughs> I don't want to say that Brady has everybody it's, who it's different. In, it's different in golf because adversity. Right there. But Tiger's adversity again. Tom's had a knee injury. Tom's been. Tom's. You know, we still go back to Tom drafted in the sixth round. Tiger's had some incredible, real. I, I, again, I shouldn't compare him to Tom and denigrate it. Just Tiger's adversity has been off the charts. Some of it, a lot of it, he created himself, no doubt. But. Um, you could yeah, argue you, this one person can win a golf event. When you saw the aftermath of this, this is this was like the icing on the cake, and the cake was long and rich. But this one was people were like, did this guy live? I know. Well, it was amazing after he won the Masters. He won. He come. He comes back and wins uh, at East Lake. Then he wins the Masters, and you go, well, I, really, part of it was like, what else is there? What other mountain is there for him to climb? Now he's well, here we go. It does Here's feel like one. he's a little more private than I guess the Alex thing just became and it was Alex had to do it like it became very public the 60. Do you think we'll ever see the visual of Tiger's Lake? Like will he put cuz he'll have to do that. He's just notoriously I mean his yacht was privacy. I mean if anybody does it'll be Ronaldi. <laughs> yeah, probably. But even Ronaldi's off golf now. That's no, one right, thing he mentioned. Pot. He's like he sold out for the NFL. Yeah, he had 19 years of the Masters, so it's like he. Do they take away his 
Tom shows up. Uh, Ronaldo here for a round. I'm like, sorry, sir, we don't. No. I'd, I'd look. I would too. You think it kind of looks Alexy? Would you guess a little bit? I don't know. I mean, Alex's had a whole. There was a whole yeah. infection, right? There was a whole. But it could. Anyway. Who knows? Like his leg could have been severed. You know, they put. It could be pretty bad. I would look, but I wouldn't feel good about it. All right. Uh, well, this is the beginning of Thanksgiving week. We will be back with another pod on Tuesday. Uh, with a live pod on Tuesday at a TBD time. And then uh, we'll have another one out for the weekend. So we'll have to start talking about our lock of the week oh, yeah. coming up on uh, Tuesday's pod. we got to figure out what exactly we're going to do. How do we keep this going? Ten in a row for us? Kind of like, oh. like the Bills this weekend. Just What's their what's their number? Well, I don't know. It's just But at the Saints, desperate. Saints aren't that oh. good. Bills need to win. Thursday night gives like, you a little reason they, to pay attention, you know? Mm-hmm. That's not a bad idea. But, but again, the Bills... It's not like the Bills had a bad. The Bills have not been playing great football for a while now. Guy I looked up today it was thirty-eight to seven. I was like, I, I did one of these. They got their ass kicked today. Ass kicked. Colts are. I mean, guy. The final score was forty-one to fifteen. I know. <laughs> At home. I got this DM from Keith. He said, "I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling through caviar for dinner during the Steelers game, and you ha- and they have a pizza called." Uh, and you have a pizza named after you at a place called Pink Onion. LOL, that's dopey. Almost as good as a Sando at Deli, but still dope. He means dopey as in yeah. like it's dope, not like it's stupid. That's right. We do have a pizza named after us at Pink Onion. We thought for a while that he'd be pulling the Jimmy Garoppolo off the uh, menu, but it's still there. It's back. Holding on strong, John. I would eat a slice of that right now. Pink Onion's very good pizza. They don't pay us, but it's a good pizza, no. and they're awesome. And I mean, they put our name on the menu. I'm not asking for any money. It's great food. And uh, actually, a few times I've gone, every time I go to Pink Onion, I get hooked up. So that wasn't me complaining. That was yeah. just me saying they don't have to pay us. I'm telling you it's good food. And uh, the pizza, what, what do we do? Sausage, pepperoni, and jalapeno. I think it's what I've we yet did to be compensated in food, but I need to swing by and support. Yeah. Uh, ben says early line is Bills four and a half. Mm. That scares me. Yeah. Bills are off. It sounded better when I said it out loud. <laughs> All right. We'll do, we'll do a sweep of that. All right. Thanks for hanging, everybody. Uh, org slash ham. Let's get rolling on that and do some good here this next uh, month and a half. All right. Let's do it, people. Later. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.